Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also joining me this week, Kid Presentable. Fellas, how you doing? Doing well over here. And finally, back this week. Mike, you weren't here last week, right? I was not. No, back this week, Lavender Gooms. A very happy electoral confirmation of our future president to you guys today. Oh, yeah, that was today. That's right. You know, every December 14th, uh, we get the results from the election a month ago. I never knew nor gave a shit about this particular day until this year when it, for some reason, kind of mattered. It usually was just a formality. And now it's like, okay, now it's official. Usually it's not disputed so heavily when it comes to this point. It's already determined, but yeah, I agree with you, Mike. Good call. Um, do you, uh, one quick question. Do you guys think William Barr, when he was a kid, do you think his nickname was Billy Barr? Yeah. What's the other option? Yeah, it seems sensible, right? I mean, children love alliteration. Yeah. That's, that's okay. I was like, I was like, is there, was there a character named Billy Barr? Is there some oh, saying so, about so Billy Mark, Barr? William, William Barr was the attorney general. I, I know who he is. I just know if Billy Barr was like a common, like a nickname, but I see the alliteration. Yeah, it works. We're off to a roaring start here, folks. Um, this past weekend, guys, um, we just had a card that made me happy about MMA, which is few and far between. Uh, fight of the year, a fighter, I'm sorry, a card of the year and a fight of the year on there. Those two things tend to go together. Um, granted, when I saw the main event of um, Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, I'm like, all right, fight of the year. And then I remembered how truly long this year has been, and I was trying to think about other fights. That would be up there. And I guess um, Yoanni and Jacek versus Weili Zhang is up there, um, which I remember being a real banger and sure. uh, left uh, uh, left um, Yoanna with a gnarly hematoma, if I'm not, mis- if I'm not forgetting that one. Um, and I think there was a really good Dan Hooker. Was it Dan Hooker and uh, Paul Felder fight? I want to say was really in there too. Right. I'm trying to think. I know there was a Dan Hooker one in there. Don't. I have to wait until the, the media tells me their favorite ones. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That was a good. Yeah, <laughs> guys. In case you're, uh, in case you're curious, when we do our fighter, a fighter our of the year things, we like to wait because, well, um, it's easier for me to see everybody else's nominations, and then I present it to the guys, and we're like, there we go. This is Look, what we're choosing to us from. and to everyone listening. Time moved differently this past year. Okay, I don't know when things happened anymore. Yeah. So you tell me what happened, and I'll tell you if it was good or not. I'll be honest. For a minute, I was just like, "Was Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum this year?" And I'm just like, "Oh wait, no. That was a good year and a half ago. That's that's when that happened." Um. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, um, this past Saturday, Davison Figueroa and Brandon Moreno had the best title fight or best fight period in UFC flyweight history. Um, Davis and Figueredo just doesn't know any speed besides, you know, full speed, really. And he just kept throwing heat for 25 minutes. Brandon Moreno was still there. 
Brandon Marino was throwing back. Um, I DC and Rogan were losing their fucking minds at times a bit much, honestly. Um, we'll talk about that in a second here. We'll talk about um, Charles Oliveira's moment in the sun, really. The moment we've uh, people have been waiting for to see him break out fully. It probably has happened before this fight, but you know it's hard to deny him now. Uh, we're going to talk about um, Kevin Holland, or as uh, Ariel Hawani calls him, the Gary Payton of the MMA, dude of MMA, due to his constant shit talking. Uh, we're going to talk about Stefan's boy JDS and uh, possible questionable stoppage, but n- not really. Um, but let's get into it, Stefan. Uh, you and I were watching it live. Um, Figueredo and Moreno. What else is there to say except wow, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm going to take it in a different direction because I was talking to you while we were watching. I'm going to start on some silly shit that doesn't even matter. Uh, my first thought when I saw these come out, I was like, Brandon Moreno, his music is silly. It's just silly. It was some type of mariachi music, but it was sillier than usual. It didn't Hon- have the same did- rambunctiousness. And I was like, that's goofy. Honestly, and real then- quick, that one, it made me think if Vince McMahon was asked to give entrance music to some guy with the name Moreno that's from Mexico, 100%, that's what he would have went with, right? Is this generic Luchador Music 3? Yeah, basically. Um, um, and then meanwhile, now that I've confirmed that he's walked out to it three times in a row, Davison Figueredo, great fighter, absolutely like devastating hands, kind of a lame music choice. Mission Impossible theme. That is that is not an inspired music choice. There's a lot of people we we've talked about this for fun stuff like it's fans of pro wrestling and things like that. A good entrance, a good walkout song can really build a legacy of a fighter to me. And the Mission Impossible theme is not it. Um, but sometimes it whatever. doesn't match. It doesn't match. I mean, like I still think Junior Dos Santos with Rocky just doesn't fit. And we're like 20 fights in personally. Like I don't, not for me. It doesn't matter. It's because he was the underdog knockout guy who took out Kane, and so. Yeah. Being your dog fought from the ground up was a homeless Brazilian guy. I get it. Mission Impossible theme in Davis and Figueroa. I see no. I see no. Can, you, can we remember one thing though? That unlike with pro wrestling, with the walkouts for fighters, this is just what gets them amped up. This isn't about building their brand. Do you know what I like? I like when Anthony Pettis comes out with headphones on and he's clearly listening to a different song. Those are my favorite. When he's just has, someone has headphones on. I'm like, what are you listening to? Does that song get you hyped, Mike? It's not really a hype track. It just makes you think of a video game that was really stressful and difficult to beat. That's what Admission Impossible theme gives you. By the way, now that we sit here, I think a fun bracket to do would be Best Fighter Walkout songs. Something we could, you know, do later on. But anyway, Steph. Back to the fight itself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, early front runner for that is Ronda with bad reputation. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but back to the fight, right? It was a great fight um, because it's because of Moreno why it was a great fight. Davison did what Davison do. He threw hands, right? He had he threw kill shots. He threw all those shots. I could see um, our boy Benavidez getting knocked out from each one of them. I could just see it over and over again in my head, but that's really what the story of the fight was. Moreno was here for it. Um, he would fire back. He had really good punches of his own and he could take a shot because his defense was very, very like so, so, but boy, he just kept coming. His energy never waned. Um, he kind of seemed the same fresh fighter. Like Davison was essentially better on the feet by just like a hair, mm. but it never slowed Brandon down. Um, he even got a couple takedowns late to kind of switch it. You saw, I wouldn't say Davison ever gassed, but you could tell he slowed down, right? There was a certain point, yeah. especially in that last round. Well, well, Steph- he couldn't throw heat the whole night long like that. 
Well, Steph, I wanted to point that out because I felt like the announcers were giving, and I did it too. I was part of it too. I was talking to you about it. We're like, man, this guy had two weight cuts in three weeks. He cuts a lot of weight. He's going to run out of gas. He was tired at the end of five rounds, but shit, everybody's Not in tired. Unnatural. Yeah, way, everybody's tired right? at the end of five rounds. Like, it was just. <laughs> You saw the last round. He got more tactical, yeah. right? He became more counter-defensive, and he's like, let's just win the round. You know, he he stopped trying to finish it in the fifth round. I, I think that's the kind of energy, but he, up through the fourth, he, he kept throwing. But it's this kid never went down. He never wilted. He never slowed down. So just even if you're connecting, it's still fatiguing, right? At a certain point, there's not that he ever wilted, but there's something in your head being like, man, this guy's not stopping. Like, I'm hitting this kid with everything. He's still here for it. Um, absolutely fantastic fight. Hellacious. Absolutely one of the most hellacious nut shots I've ever seen Ooh. in MMA. Um, <laughs> our really boy, in uh, Marcus Brimage had the previous record. I can still hear him screaming, oh, my God, uh, when he takes it. But seeing Moreno cough and nearly vomiting from it reminds me of the nut shots I've taken in life. That's what a nut shot. That's what I remember a good nut shot being. But yeah, it was just, it wasn't a sidekick. It was just a straight kick up the middle and just right between. Um, well, that was hellacious. Well, let's go from there, Marcus. Um, uh, your thoughts on the nut shot and the fight in general, but also shout out to Jason Herzog, man, because he looked at the situation and it's not, it's not just intent. It's the impact the shot can have on the fight, you know, and he's like, I got to get, take a point away from this. This motherfucker might be dead from this nut shot. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, when he took the point, it was egregious, but uh, obviously that wasn't really the case. <laughs> Brandon Marrero fought the rest of the fight pretty much fine. Like, I don't think he, it didn't, at least to me, it didn't seem like he really dropped much of a beat after that, but it was, you know, I think obviously inadvertent, but damaging. And I think that has to take into account when you potentially take a point away. So I don't think that was unjust. Um, at all, but I, I think to to your point, you know, we knew Figueroa had these performances in him. We've seen it before. Um, that's why his last fight was somewhat disappointing because he got such a quick finish. It was like, man, we know this guy could put on a, a firework show for us. Um, he just needs a dance partner that can maintain and, and keep pace with him. And Brandon was there for that. You know, he just he couldn't quite get the best of a lot of the exchanges, and obviously the point deduction. Helped him not lose the fight overall, as you know we've discussed. Uh, you know before we went on the show, everyone had Figueroa winning this fight. It was a draw because of the point deduction. Um, but yeah, it was a great fight, um, and obviously something that I think we know the division kind of needs is someone that I mean, honestly, has Flyweight ever had a fight of the year? No, because the other champion before this was trying out video game moves while up four rounds it was not there was no one competitive exactly <laughs> i mean and that's kind of what the division needs it needs fights that people get excited about it was not i mean i don't i'm you know i've been very critical of mighty mouse but his reign was not very compelling um i think he's a great personality but he, he was so dominant over all of his uh, opponents except for uh henry in that last fight and that wasn't a particularly that fight was exciting so it was like dj is losing this fight it wasn't exciting in and of itself you know henry marcus it reminded me of like john jones and these last couple fights he had were like yeah, sure. he was like these aren't particularly good it's just very close <laughs> yeah but i mean so i think figueroa is a a breath of fresh air because not only is he somewhat of a dominant champion he's exciting he's really exciting um whether it's going to catch on whether this pay-per-view does well or the next one he's in does even better because this gives him crown swell i don't know it, it could just be these guys are just too small and there's a stigma around them not having exciting fights i think any true fight fan that sees this fight knows that's bullshit and these guys absolutely can have exciting fights and this is case positive of that 
but yeah, I thought it was great. I think it was a great performance. I think both guys asserted themselves well, and I think they're going to match up again immediately, if not very soon. Uh, Mike, um, I want to get your thoughts too, but Mark uh, talking about how much he was into it. You know, I always felt the problem with some of like when Mighty Mouse was champion. It wasn't like, like I like Mighty Mouse and like, but you can recognize the fights weren't always great. Mark's a hardcore MMA fan. Stefan's a hardcore MMA fan. You're an MMA, you're a hardcore MMA fan. And if you guys weren't sold on the flyweight title fights, there was no fucking chance. You know what I mean? For the division as whole. Well. Now we got a champion where like, I'm, I'm watching Davis and Figueroa fight. Like the options are now Davis and Figueroa, Figueroa Merck's a guy, or we get somebody like Moreno who's still there. You know, I mean, what did you think of the fight and, you know, I guess where this division goes from here? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I thought the fight was great. I personally thought Moreno won for two cents that wasn't asked for. But when it comes to the flyweight division, okay, congratulations. You got the hardcore fans to decide to actually want to watch your fights. You got about 200K on your pay-per-view buys. And as always... That's not what the UFC is here for. So it's really more a matter, can Davis and Figueredo actually break out to be a common MMA fan star where those people actually spend the pay-per-views at now like 65 bucks to actually watch him fight. And this isn't any, I don't think it's any fault of his own. I think it's back to the same thing we've talked about before that here in America, unless you're a, unless you're a boxer, 125 doesn't sell. Do you care? Because now you care about it. You Before, you I didn't care. even care. Now you care. You didn't care before. I mean, a lot of us didn't, didn't care. Well, that's a little harsh. No, no, no. I, you didn't care. But you I enjoyed like, watching like, Mighty Mouse fight. But honestly, the oh, by the way, I think of, but, was I going to pay money for his pay-per-view? No. Well, I mean, let's put this clear. I think this one did 400000 because at this point, every UFC pay-per-view does 400000 just because everybody's at home. And this ESPN thing, honestly, it's working. People buy this shit. People are buying pay-per-views now. We're like, people were not buying pay-per-views at the end of the last of the Fox deal. Like, you have a like a you have like a DC heavyweight a DC and a like fucking Derek Lewis and Madison Square Garden card do like three hundred fifty thousand car- fights. It it yeah. helps that the Sports Center um, Instagram account and like the Sports Center you know They're Twitter all on board. account people actually follow yeah. and they post a lot on MMA. ESPN has the ability to really push a sport and then do the total opposite sometimes when a sport like hockey which espn doesn't air and doesn't give a fuck about like when espn has is has a monetary investment in a sport you can tell it really makes an impact um they got to run this thing back though right mike i mean assuming we can all get everybody healthy in a few months (laughs) for sure and one thing i always love is either when a champ loses or you know in this case gets a draw i don't want to say it's excuses but you start hearing some excuses. And I heard after this fight, Figueredo say, oh, I had like some kind of stomach bug or something. And that's why it was a draw. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Look, first of all, we got to have Waleed do his post-fight interviews. It was There was no Waleed there. That was the dumbest part of the post-fight interview. There wasn't enough yelling at all. Yeah, I guess he, he did um, have some sort of food poisoning or something. Had to go to the hospital, maybe. I don't know. The motherfucker is a G for fighting two title fights in three weeks. And the way he cuts weight, too. The guy weighs, they think they said, Steph, something like, did they say he weighs 150 pounds? Like, in, in the cage or something like that? <laughs> I mean, I didn't catch it. Yeah. Um, 
I'll go with sure. Yeah. It, it, the impressive part that it was a short notice fight, but that goes for Moreno too, right? Yeah. He didn't get that long of a camp for the biggest fight of his career, mm. but he had the performance of his career. So, like, you know, that's why it's, that's why that the same card, right? Yeah, they both. both. Had, I mean, they did both fight on the same card, Mike. But one of them had trained for a five round fight in his last fight. And this one, another guy trained in a three for a three round fight. So that was on the prelims. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, again, it's the biggest fight of his career by far. So. That's another layer that makes their um, what will in all likelihood be an immediate rematch interesting is now that they both experience each other, like what are the both of them going to do with a full camp? We'll see. Um, that was a lot of fun, though. I just had a good time, honestly, watching that. You know, co-main event, Charles Oliveira, Tony Ferguson. Uh, Marcus, this was a drubbing. This was on some people's scorecard 30-24. So I saw everything from 3027, which I think was wrong, to 3024 for in favor of Charles Oliveira. Just the performance of his lifetime, quite frankly. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, this was obviously his highest profile fight. You know, this is leading up to potentially number one contender, potentially fighting for the belt. We don't really know what's happening at lightweight uh, with the title, but this was a huge fight for him. You know, Tony Ferguson has been interim champ. He's been at the top of the ranks. Uh, Charles moving up to 55 has just been incredible. He's looked fantastic. Um, what I thought, what I found really surprising in this fight from Oliveira was his takedowns and his top control. Because um, and and I think you know, I think we can glean stuff that potentially might have happened if Tony and Habib did fight. You know, Charles was able to get him down, was able to control him, um, and ultimately, I think the you know the big story here is at the end of the first round, he got a extremely deep armbar in. Pretty much hyperextended his arm um, to Tony's credit, which we knew going in, uh, this dude's not going to give even if you break his arm. Um, but after that first round, it was kind of like, I don't see how Tony's going to win this fight. He can't stop him from taking him down. And he has a really hard time. Uh, is usually what he can do is scramble really well off the bottom, uh, just with different submission attempts, different ways he could get the person on top to make mistakes and get himself back up. And then in the stand up, you know, he, he tends to do fairly well even though he kind of plays loosey-goosey and, and gets tagged often um we just saw charles fight a very tight-knit fight you know in the stand-up he was very precise and when he needed to get those takedowns he did and controlled the top honestly it's really dumb because it was a great performance from Oliveira. but my biggest complaint about this fight was they were in some kind of stupid weird eddie bravo position and joe never told us what the fuck it was called at one point oh yeah Oliveira, he was like he had his back but Tony had his legs wrapped around him, so it was like this upside-down guard. And I was just like, oh, Joe, baby, tell me what <laughs> stupid name Eddie Bravo thought for this one. They're just like, Oliveira's looking really good. I was like, no, tell me the stupid position they're in for like half a minute, which they did not. I was so disappointed. Um, otherwise, I mean, it was, a, it was a breakout performance for Oliveira. I mean, like we said, when he fought Kevin Lee, he also looked fantastic. Maybe that's a better performance, but I think this was, this was higher competition. And it, like we talked about last week, you know, Maybe we're we're talking about the decline of to Tony Ferguson. Obviously, his last fight against Gaethje was very difficult. I mean, he took a lot of damage, and in this fight, he didn't look good. But you know, it could be maybe Tony was off. Maybe there's something about Charles's game that kind of threw him. But you have to give all the props to Oliveira. So I do. I think it was a fantastic fight, Marcus. To your point, so um, I put this in our group chat earlier. A quote from Daniel Cormier, where he said, "This is quote." Even when Tony Ferguson was winning all these fights on a, all those fights on a twelve fight win streak, I feel if he had run into Charles Oliveira with that skill set, Charles would have beat him back then. I don't know if it's about Tony being worse or Tony declining. I think Charles Oliveira is just that good. So I mean, 
What's I interesting? Just say, that's easy to say now. Of course, you know it's like <laughs> after the fact. That, if he said that back then, then it's like okay, that's a that's a strong stance. But after the guy beats him, it's easy to be like. Do you know I what? Think no, would have always beat him. It's like okay, sure. I'll be honest. I didn't catch the commentary for a lot of this um, because honestly, Steph, Mike, and I were in a game of Among Us, though. But honestly, Mike, can, Mike, you too. Your attention kind of got diverted the second this thing started. Um, but what I didn't know until uh, just you know I was checking it out before the show. Charles is on an eight-fight win streak, and that win streak started once he switched over to Diego. To, to, it's called Team Diego Lima, um, or Shoot the Box Diego Lima, which I'm. A, I don't know if that's the same Diego Lima because I didn't think he was part of Shoot the Box. So whatever that team is, I don't know what happened to Charles Oliveira, but he just. I I mean I, I honestly Steph what I'm trying to think what like we always kind of thought that Kai just didn't have a killer instinct right was that it like we had so many fight I mean it's we kind of tagged this guy early There's on as like one that. specific thing it's Mark and I have talked about this with RDA and other fighters you all have one specific memory that forever taints your image of Charles Oliveira and that's him wilting to Cerrone's jab he took that jab and he just physically crumbled like so there became the idea that was like embedded in your head. Oh, he wilts easy. He doesn't handle adversity well. Like, he's, you know, he's a front runner. Like, he's got skills, but I don't know if you can get to the championship when you just got felled by a jab. Like, wasn't, yeah. wasn't Oliveira also the one that had, like, the delayed knockout where, like, he kind of got hit on the side of the head and, like, maybe five seconds later he fell? Wasn't it, like, to Cub Swanson? That might have been. He also had the one where it was against Max Holloway where he, uh, kind of got hit in the neck but then he needed a neck brace and everybody just couldn't figure out what happened like he did the thing he got he missed he's missed weight a number of times right and that always taints a fighter in a lot of people's minds but um he yeah, got he into has, ufc he when he was oh, i was saying he got into the ufc honestly when he was i think we figured it out was it 20 or 21 years old we figured this out yeah, last week like young. he's 31 now and it's just like the guy got so much better he just his skills got better and he like became a finisher and he managed to take less damage and is just he hasn't learned one word of english it's my favorite part <laughs> young prospects not live up to the hype that it's kind of surprising when one of them ultimately kind of sees it through he's been on a steady evolution um you know it's you see, we're, we're jumping on cormier for his uh 2020 hindsight vision but you know i'll give myself some credit because um I, I went on a limb in believing it but i really believed in charles Oliveira when we were making these picks you know i got bobby to change his mind i made a yeah. compelling argument i feel proud of that you know yeah um but he's just he's a complete fighter mark mentioned that he has these takedowns now and granted yeah like tony's not but tony is an ace on the ground he's an absolute ace on the ground and so to be able to impose your will is still the thing you know he 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 faced a guy who wasn't going to tap, but like that was Ronda-esque, right? Those adjustments to the arm bar to how do I keep leveraging this? It's like um, there's a pro wrestler. I remember, Mark, when we were watching the uh, CWC, the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, it was the Filipino one, TJ Perkins. And what we liked about his finisher, it was a submission, but it had like a three-stage evolution, right? So as he progressed through the rounds, his submission evolved into like a more complicated lock. But like, you know, so you see that mastery and it was a thing that I thought was going to give him an edge in this fight is the thing that's evolved most of all is his striking his power has now matches his speed his precision is there and maybe it's the confidence it's made him tougher it's made him a more durable fighter like the shots that we used to kind of laugh like oh he can't even handle a jab he's tough now like he's durable now so it's all come together 
And uh, yeah, and like Bob, you're the one who said it uh, that made me go look it up. Man coming out like the genie who's just been wished free. He's about to go on that vacation. He's got his polo shirt, the giant yeah. camera on the necklace thing. He's got Dude, the big I, glasses. He just needed the goofy hat. He just I needed like, the goofy hat, and he would have been the genie. I like that he just, I mean, Mike, he's been in the UFC for 10 plus years. Not one word of English. Charles Oliveira doesn't give a fuck. Um, also not giving a fuck. Tony Ferguson. Um, Tony Ferguson's arm was fucked. And he didn't tap out. Because Tony Ferguson will say fuck your arm bar. Uh, Mike, Tony Ferguson is 36 years old. He is 30 fights in. Which, I mean, shit, Charles Oliveira's 40 fights in. Uh, we saw a lot of damage in that last fight with Justin Gaethje. We have a lot of knee surgeries. You know, he does. He got outclassed here, and maybe he was just the other guy was better. What do you think? Is are we done with Tony Ferguson being top five, or is just you know we got to see more before we make that assessment? Well, I'll put it this way: this is how I answer your question. Two guys in a row have had career performances against him. That's never a good look, and never a good sign for your you know capability as a top prospect. So top we might. So. We, we, we're thinking more be maybe we next fight we give Tony somebody six through ten, or do you think they give him somebody way farther down the line to see where we're really at here? Uh, that's the natural not progression at this point, but degression. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you go to someone that's a uh, level lower than the guy that he fought before. So yeah, I would say someone maybe in the bottom half of the the top ten, maybe eight through ten. Is this an eight Diaz time? Do we book that fight finally? I mean, I just threw, I just came up with that right now. What do you think? I don't know if you got Nate wants to fight a guy who's on a two fight losing streak anyway. But what do you think? I don't, know who I don't think Nate would want to fight him anyway, um, because really? Nate at this point doesn't really give a shit about any titles or anything like that. He just wants money, and someone coming off getting his ass whooped two two fights in a row doesn't exactly scream buy my pay per view, even if you are Nate Diaz. Mm, that's fair. Um, anybody got anything to say about the Mackenzie Dern fight? I saw that she broke her nose, and she people saying she looked better on her feet because I mean, quite frankly, Jason Perillo is a good coach. I mean, let's we know that, right? So we're not going to talk about things we don't know. But congratulations to her getting another win at this stage in her career, though, Steph. You just want to see wins from her, right? Just continue to, to, to saying she's getting better, keep winning. We'll see where we yeah, get. Um, well, you said that, but the thing I read said uh, the first sentence of the paragraph was. Though her stand-up is still atrocious, uh, and then proceeded to be complimentary thereafter, I want to say stand-up from her, because to me, her stand-up is atrocious. I do like hearing that she broke her nose and still made her way through the fight and didn't, you know. Not that you worry about toughness oh, or I don't anything. think she's not tough. I yeah. just thought she was one-dimensional, is all. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess the one thing to note is that I think this is the second fight or third fight in a row where she's made weight with no issues. So it seems having a kid of all things, uh, you know, got her weight management under control. That's good to see. When, I mean, we mentioned earlier, Oliveira had a bunch of missed weight, you know, and you're nice to see people turn that around. Hey, Cejudo had a whole situation. Eventually, you got to get it right. Figueredo blew a title shot. Or blew a title. He had to beat a guy twice, you know. Fucking, we're going to talk about a guy who went to Bellator, 40 years old, still can't make weight. Um, all right, guys. Um, it's time to talk about the pride of, of uh, Riverside, California. The man fighting out of Travis Luter, BJJ. Kevin Holland, who does not stop talking shit. 
All right. Kevin Holland. Marcus, could you describe how he knocked out Jacare? Because that was impressive, even as Jacare is kind of older, just the way it happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, just, I mean, we can break down the fight because it wasn't very long. You yeah, know, go ahead. Jacare was able to, to get the, the fight down to the ground early on in top, which would, you know, you would think, you know, strategy wise, probably the best strategy he had. You know, he's an incredibly accomplished grappler, especially on top. Um, but Kevin Rowland was there the whole time. Holland, sorry. Um, and basically, I finished this fight was punches, you know, off his back. You know, granted, you know, uh, Souza gave him a lot of room. So these weren't little short punches in a closed guard. You know, they were, he was basically in an open guard, feet on hips, had the, the space to make some power shots, but still an extremely rare place to to catch somebody with a shot that hard off your back because you can't really generate a lot of power. You can swing your arm as much as you want, but it's hard to turn those hips. It's hard to get a lot of kinetic energy off the ground. When you're standing and throwing a punch, all your energy comes from your feet, from planting your feet, from twisting your hips, getting your whole body. To be able to do that off the ground, off the bottom, is extremely impressive. So he cracked Souza. Um, and obviously, we've seen Souza's chin be questioned. You know, he's gotten cracked in his last couple fights pretty bad. So I think at this point, it's you can definitely question how much he can take a punch. But I think what was most telling was after he kind of basically dazed, knocked out Souza, Souza fell in a kind of awkward position where he had the back leg kind of bent in an awkward way and kind of bent back. And Kevin Holland stood up and basically punched straight down into his face. It was it was a bad finish. Like, I almost feel bad. Like, Kevin Holland, like, yo, dude, maybe when you're in that position, after you hit him once, you can just stop because this dude's already dead. Uh, but he didn't. And, and, you know, it, it's not it's not his place to stop the fight. It's the referee. So, you know, uh, Souza took a really bad loss in this one. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets cut. They're doing a lot of cuts. He's pretty old at this point. But Kevin Holland, obviously, when we're talking about fighter of the year, a lot of guys have made big strides. But when you just look at what this guy's done in a calendar year, add in the fact that it's a COVID year, it's been very... That's, yeah, Marcus, that's the part. Like, but I, but the- I also think that helped him in, in a re- weird way. The UFC, obviously, with booking, when these guys got on these cards, they're like, can you fight in another month? And and this was a guy that was like, yeah, I can fight May, August, September, October, and December. And he won all those fights, you know? And I would say this was the biggest fight he had, name value-wise. Um, I think his win over Buckley looks better in hindsight because Buckley has really come into his own in his last couple of fights with huge knockouts. But that makes this run even more impressive. But Souza's a guy that, you know was at the top of middleweight and you know his star has definitely declined in his last couple of fights moving up to light heavyweight not doing well there not performing well at all in in probably his calendar year nonetheless you know a huge win for uh holland here and you have to give him props especially how he ended it and like you said bobby he is a very entertaining guy because he is talking shit and also given the given the atmosphere of not having a crowd you can really hear him saying like at some point, Souza had him in the top, and he, he was talking about how he dreamed this would happen and stuff. Oh, and yeah. Like, no, it's <laughs> weird coming. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to kick your ass. It's just like he's he's saying weird shit. And not, not like weird like it's crazy. Just like this is a weird comment. It doesn't stop. Honestly, fighter. it just doesn't stop. I mean, that's why when Gary, when, when Ariel Kahawani compared him to Gary Payton, those of you who aren't basketball fans, Gary Payton was a basketball player who just – it wasn't just that he was talking shit. is that it just – it didn't stop. It's like – the ball went up for the tip. All right, we're talking shit. And four quarters later, still talking shit. Kevin Holland is the same way. Yeah, Marcus, you mentioned it. Five, he's five, five and zero oh this year. And when we're saying this year, we're really talking. This man fought at the end of uh, in the middle of May through the through Dece- through middle of December. So in eight months, basically, he got five wins 
and three performance of the night bonuses. In the middle there, like he had COVID two and a half weeks ago. I mean, there's that. He had another fight um, canceled because a guy uh, fainted. So then a week later, they're like, Kev, can you fight in a week? And Kev's like, yeah, I'll fight in a week. Um, him and Figueredo, and I mean, basically the two guys are talking about for fighter of the year on the male side, kind of the COVID MVPs for the UFC. It's really, you know, in a year where the UFC... He have as many, but this same situation also allowed uh, Chimaev to make a little bit of a run and yeah. get garner a lot of hype where he just got to run through people in like really frequent back to back to really leave like a fresh lasting memory. So like you said, yeah, um, this was a rough year for some, but some people got to really bank on apparently athletic commissions, relaxing all their fighter like suspensions. So yeah, uh, Mike, uh, we haven't seen this guy fought, you know, just beat Jacare. What are we thinking? Like give him a guy in the bottom half of the top 10 now. I don't know. I don't know what Jacare was. I'm thinking bottom half of the top 10. Give him another I one. Mean, I would say after three losses, he likely wasn't even in, you know, the top 15. But, yeah, I mean, we don't give know, him a shot. Sure. Give, him a, yeah. give him a little competition. I yeah. got to fight for him. Um, since he's knocking out people viciously, I'd like him to retire uh, Chris Weidman. Because Weidman's saying, I'm top five. Luke Rockhold doesn't deserve to fight me. That's what that's what Weidman be saying out there. <sighs> Weidman, well, by the way. If you're not going to have confidence in yourself, Steph, who will? Weidman, by the way, one of those guys who his walkout theme I thought was really good at one point, and now I'm just annoyed with it because Won't Back Down by Tom Petty was real perfect when you're fighting Anderson Silva. And now you're just what you're, you won't back down from is the realities of your diminishing abilities. You won't I mean, back down from that ass whooping, man. He's here for it. Chin chin up, baby. Yeah, so uh, we'll do our fighter of the year picks in a couple of weeks here. But yeah, I'm telling you right now, Figueredo and... Uh, Figueroa and um, Holland are really the two guys we're looking at here for fighter of the year, probably. And uh, right in entrant, Lagoy Ivanov. Uh, he's always, always there on the list every year. Every year, five years in a row, Lagoy Ivanov. Um, opening the show was Junior Dos Santos, Cyril uh, Gane. Um, Junior got knocked out. Um, he got hit with a standing elbow to the back of the head, though. As part of getting knocked out, I mean, it was the thing that finished him. He also really wasn't doing great beforehand. I mean, let's just talk about it when we're talking about they're going to cut 60 people. I'm not, again, advocating for anybody to lose their job. We talked about it last week, how we said there's a whole bunch of domestic abusers and pieces of shit they should cut too. But if we're just talking about guys who probably don't need to be fighting the best fighters in the world anymore, I know this is heavyweight and Arlovsky's on, is Arlovsky on the roster? It's hard to make this argument is. with Arlo- It's hard to make this argument with Arlovsky on the roster. But if, I don't think he's on the But Junior Dos Santos, man, he needs to stop fighting these killers, Steph. He's got to stop fighting these killers. I mean, you, you know, I don't want Junior in any fight where he's plus three hundred, right? Like, what are we yeah, doing? I look, I look forward to no longer having to pick him in the future, right? Because I like the dude. You know, like he'll have a nice fight against Chet Congo. It'll be fine. You know, just keep him away from heavyweight superstar Ryan Bader over in Bellator, and uh, it'll be nice. I mean, honestly, if they want to keep him off, I mean, okay, Mike's letting me know Arlovsky's coming off of two wins. I was going to say we can book Junior Dos Santos versus Arlovsky, but I think Arlovsky might be like, I'm better than this. No, I think you give him him Steph's boy, Lagoy, because you know he's not going to knock him out. Didn't he already fight Lagoy? Don't get me wrong. Man, he beat him. Coming so he can run that back. <laughs> yeah, Lagoy just coming survives to integration. You guys aren't exactly, uh, you know, top names yeah so i know i mean Lins and hanner bozer are that's true i mean and then we're talking about jacare yeah jacare 
if Jacare wants to join the Bellator circuit there, I don't I think it would be appropriate, honestly. Um though man, there's some dangerous guys at Bellator. We're gonna talk about that in a second here. Um worth mentioning on this card, which are people are saying is card of the year, as I mentioned. Cub Swanson just murdered Daniel Pineda with a one-hitter quitter. And Daniel Pineda was messing Cub's leg up. Messing it up. And I was real happy because I like Cub Swanson. I think everybody has a general positive impression of Cub Swanson. Especially when you hear about like his like he grew up and ended up in juvenile hall and now he's just like does spend a lot of time mentoring kids and you know in that situation as well. And he's really turned his life around. So it was great to see that. But then Cubs said the only thing that make him happier is if the Raiders would win. So then Cubs weekend was ruined the next day by the Raiders getting 40 some odd, 47 hung on them, was it? Or something by the Colts? Some shit like that. But, um, you know, Cubs going to keep doing this. You got to win. You know, we all recognize Cubs not winning any titles anytime soon. But if he's going to be around, you got to get it done. And, you know, Cub Swanson at this point is, uh, I think he's won, has he won a couple now? Or is it just, yeah, he's won two straight. He uh, got that really good win over Kron Gracie. That was a close one. And then I went over Daniel Pineda here after losing uh, four straight where, you know, his whole title reign, title pursuit kind of got, un, you know, unraveled there. But, Mike? Um, to go back to the brief discussion we had on Nate Diaz is here for them dollar signs on pay-per-view, he called out Jake Paul on Twitter. Nate did? That's right. Yeah, okay, I'd watch that. That's fine. And if Nate wants to get paid, I'm, I'm happy to contribute to that. No, I'm not paying for that, but I'll watch. I'll, I'll contribute to tweets. You know, I'll contribute to the viralness of it. Um, big win for uh, Tisha Torres, getting a TKO doctor stoppage. Uh, Hinato Moicano got knocked out in the first round. At this point, it's really clear that Moicano, at least not now, is not going to be the title contender we all thought he might be. Um, but that's, uh, and, you know, that's the UFC 256 in the books. Um, UFC's final card of the year. That's really the fucking case, huh? Final card until January 16th? Is this the final card for a month? Is yeah, that really the case? I mean, we're 100% didn't do another bracket, guys. I hope you guys like them. That's definitely happening. Um, Ooh, we should do Christmas movies next and include Die Hard in there. Okay. Still losing in the first round. <laughs> We're going to pick this, uh, honestly, this UFC card, I mean, uh, going out on a bang for the year, quite frankly, looking at how deep this card is for uh, Wonderboy Thompson and Jeff Neal, a fight in itself that's going to be pretty great. We'll talk about that in a minute here, but first we got some MMA news because Bellator's, uh, Bellator's doing things over, uh, over in San Jose, man. They got, I'm assuming that's where the office is. It could just be in, at the Mohican Sun now, quite frankly, um, they signed Rumble Anthony Rumble Johnson. Well, for the first, the UFC had to release Anthony Rumble Johnson, which tells you everything you know to know about the nonsense that is UFC contracts when a guy hasn't fought in four years. Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson, despite looking fucking huge, is uh, going to come back and fight at 205 pounds. Um, the other news we got this week is that the soldier of God himself, Yoel Romero, Going up to 205 pounds and, and is going to be in Bellator as well. Um, what's the name of the kid who beat up Ryan Bader, their 205-pound champion? Fedor's protege? Some Russian guy. <laughs> yeah, no, Nemkov. That's what it was. Nemkov, who honestly looked very impressive. This weight class, 205-pound in Bellator, includes Vadim Nemkov, I guess Ryan Bader, 
Um, Corey Anderson, Wonderboy Phil Davis, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Yoel Romero. I mean, I know I we don't get both. Wrestlers. <laughs> I see a lot of wrestlers, but let me tell you, if we're not booking Rumble Johnson versus Yoel Romero, I mean, Bellator is not the place I thought it was. That is a surefire main event that we're watching. I just need I to correct Bobby because he's a personal friend of mine. He's Mr. Wonderful. Wonder Boy is who we're going to talk about. Oh, later. I apologize. He's Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis. Man whose picture we got. We got a picture with Phil Davis when nobody else cared back in 2010. <laughs> all I've ever wanted him is for him to walk out to the DDR song. Like, that's just all I've ever wanted from his entire career. And he just Man. won't give it to me. Man, Chad Mendes came and went, and we never got the Shane McMahon music, so I, this is not happening. It was one interview, Bobby, and I learned, Chad, oh, Chad Mendes hates professional wrestling. He is disgusted <laughs> by professional wrestling. This will never happen. Man, Bellator, 205 pounds. I mean, Marcus, if they want people to care, there you go. They're not just old. Some of them just are going to fuck people up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is obviously when UFC's cutting talent, you know, they get to kind of pick and choose the the, the, the cream of the crop of that of those cuts and they've done a decent job, you know, picking up people with decent name value with is still, you know, fairly strong s- skill sets. I mean, I think Romero's kind of, <laughs> he, he's, he's a risky take because you really don't know what kind of performance you're going to get, get out of him. But I do, I do honestly think Bellator sometimes the fighters there know that, you know, this isn't the major leagues. So I feel like a lot of times guys have something to prove. They know this is kind of a proving ground. I need to make good performances. So I think when you're, if, the guys that are going to fight Romero are going to be like, I need to make this exciting so I can't just stand here and have a staring contest with this guy because it'll do nothing for me. So, I mean, hopefully he has good performances. We know when Romero is pushed and he has to push back, we can get really exciting stuff out of him. But we also know like he's not going to pull the trigger if you don't. He will gladly stare at you for three rounds and be like, yo, you didn't fight me <laughs> and just say I'm the winner at the end of it. So it's risky. But, you know, Anthony Johnson isn't that guy. Anthony Johnson's a guy that's going to come out and try to take your head off. So potentially those two can be really interesting. And I think a lot of the guys you mentioned, it's a lot of new, interesting matchups um, that Bellator kind of needs because 205 for them has been kind of a wasteland of some of their own talent that hasn't really raised the cream of the crop. And then it's just been Bader came in and just cleaned out their light heavyweight and heavyweight division. So it's nice that they have a new champion um, and a whole new batch of fighters. I think they can do a lot of interesting matchmaking here. Honestly, Nemkov is the guy as a guy that I want to see fight again. Like he didn't just beat Ryan Bader. He looked wonderful doing it. He looked like yeah. uh, someone we need to pay attention to. And in a weight class where, quite frankly, we're in a transition phase in both the UFC and I guess Bellator too now with their new champion, the Bellator might have been in a transition phase continually in that weight class. We got, we're seeing what they got here, man. And, um, Nemkov beating a bunch of, you know, top five, 10 UFC guys isn't going to look bad if he can do it. And let's, you know, let's see Rumble and, uh, Romero. Ryan Bader's probably getting PTSD just with the thought of Rumble being in the same division as him again. So, if Jacare, you know, makes his way over there to fight at 185 or 205 pounds, I genuinely am not sure who the 185-pound champion is of Bellator. Is it Gegard? Probably, right? Mm-hmm. Did Gegard just beat somebody? Yeah, I remember yeah. he beat Rory for... No, yeah, I remember, no, Gegard had to get that title back because the other guy had, like, a brain thing. That was, uh, I remember that. Okay. Right. I think Rory is 170. Still. Yeah, he just moved up to get his ass kicked by, by him. And yeah, back. I think he took the belt off Diego again. Or I don't know. Anyway, they got some guys in Bellator, man. It's just honestly, I watched uh, some of their card a couple weeks ago because I'm 
more so starting to be okay with their Thursday night thing because there's no there's nothing on TV on Thursdays. For me personally, they have a very DAZN issue where it's like, why do I need to watch your card? Literally an hour after it's done, you'll give me like a five minute highlight, which is like all I ever want, anyways. Like, just give, well, me, give me the clip you know, notes. Cool. Yeah, I actually have the channel they're on, which is nice. And it airs live, which is another nice thing. So, if I, I think I was telling Steph this and I was watching it just because I'm like, I also forgot football was happening. When football, when I saw football was happening, I switched to that too. But I was like, there's nothing on TV. I'll watch some of Bellator. What am I seeing here? I've come all to right. a decision, guys. Um, you know, this is this is the old Bellator. The old this is the old Bellator making a comeback. Um, I've been looking at the UFC light heavyweight rankings. I'm gonna do it. Nemkov is the number two light heavyweight in the world. That's it. He's Jan Blachowicz is one. Nemkov is two. I got him above Glover. Glover is the that's number a, three heavyweight in the that, world. That's much higher than we used to slot the Bellator. Oh champion. yeah, it was called the Bellator Seven, the Sweet Seven spot right. for the Bellator champion. But I'm gonna put Nemkov at two. I'm gonna just start riding for this guy. I saw one fight. But Ryan Pater was closing his eyes again, so he's got to be real, dude. Honestly, Nemkov, if you guys get a chance, I mean, Mark says Bellator shits just online. Ryan Bader getting his ass kicked for eight minutes by uh, this Nemkov kid, and with Fedor in his corner, you're like, oh, this is this is the this is the new Fedor, huh? This is this is the new one. Uh, this is who Fedor is lined up behind this kid. Fedor uh, needs to give him the sweater that uh, his iconic sweater, and then uh, that's what Nemkov's uh, walkout shirt is. That'll cement the legacy. Yeah, I mean, the kid's got nine knockouts, wins over Carvalho, Phil Davis, Liam McGarry, Ryan Bader. He beats who you need him to beat. Um, but yeah, Bellator, doing some stuff you're interested in. Um, just hanging out at the Mohegan Sun. Bellator been there for four months. Can't get Mike to go, though. But to be it's clear, not, I haven't seen... it's, it's not at the Mohegan Sun, though. It's at, it's in Kumquat, Connecticut, Okay. <laughs> It's in Uncasville, Connecticut. Whatever. The same, it's got the same number of consonants. Okay? What, what, what if you get a what if what, what if you get a hotel room and stay at the Mohegan Sun and do some bet on some horse is races? Kumquat paying for it? Is the is the city of Kumquat paying for my hotel room? <laughs> Honestly, at this point, we might be able to find a coupon for you to stay for a week for fifty bucks. <laughs> you just want to? I'd be there for a month if I think if I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> um. All right, boys and girls, um, we're going to talk about the final UFC card of the year, UFC Fight Night, Wonderboy Thompson, who I can't remember the last time Wonderboy Thompson fought anybody. Um, shit, you know what? It was a nice you know, guy match. It was it was a nice guy match. You don't think, think about the fighters we have not seen fight in 2020. Um, Zabit didn't fight in 2020. Leon Edwards didn't fight in 2020. Nate Diaz didn't fight in 2020. Yair, Ally Quinta. Uh, Islam Makachev, Gillespie. Where happened to Gregor Gillespie? He got knocked out by Kevin Lee. We never saw his ass again, did we? Um, Brad Tavares, Misha Serkinov. A lot of guys, man. Connor fought at the beginning of the year, and that was it. I haven't seen him since. And he's one of the more active guys. So a lot of these guys seem to be riding out this thing and you know, recognizing I'm probably going to stay home, you know, when the president of the UFC ain't wearing a mask anywhere and walking around the cage. So... Anyway, um, Wonderboy Thompson, Jeff Neal, um, this is going to be a good time. Um, Wonderboy Thompson, Marcus mentioned, coming off the nice guy fight. Wonderboy Thompson's last be victory being over Vincente Luque. That wasn't a nice guy one, was it? I thought it was just the two guys were going to fuck each other up one. <laughs> I think he just means they're both nice people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, that was fun. That was last November. Um, Wonderboy on a one-fight win streak. I saw Wonderboy kicking over children today 
a gif of that on the internet and it made me happy. Um, just a side note there. Jeff Neal, uh, this is a uh, nut cutting time for Jeff Neal, folks. Dude's on a seven fight win streak um, with a whole bunch of finishes. Last one, he beat Mike Perry's ass in a minute and a half, and it was wonderful to see. Beat wins over Mike Perry, Nico Price, Bilal Muhammad, uh, Frank Camacho, Brian Camozzi. Not Chris Camozzi. He ain't ready for that. Brian Camozzi. Um, one, two, three, four, f- five, six, five and oh in the UFC. Uh, six if you count Dana White's fighting for a contender Tuesday night. Wonderful series of fun. Um, betting odds for this one. Uh, yeah, this is the uh, Vegas Cowards pick where we have a double favorite. We have minus 115 for Jeff Neal, minus 105 for Wonderboy. Uh, how much of that, Steph, honestly, how much of that is just we just don't know where we are with Wonderboy in any level anymore? It's got to be uh, a lot factor there, right? <laughs> I don't say we don't know. You know, like, it's a little inconsistent, right? Um, he got knocked out by Anthony Pettis, who came up in welterweight, and that, I think that was the first time he ever got finished like that. Um, mm-hmm. But he's been pretty competitive. He's gotten his flashy knockouts in there, but he's also gotten, like, the uneventful where both counter-strikers fight. So um, he's 37. I think he's always just kind of been hovering around title contendership, so... Um, I don't know if that's what we don't know, but he's just a little inconsistent in getting older. So is it has the championship door closed on him, basically, do you f- where we're at? Mike, do you feel Wonderboy is so inconsistent that at times you wonder, did Wonderboy make more money doing kickboxing than we all think that he fights so little? Because this guy fights like once a year, and he's at 19 pro fights. <laughs> I didn't even know Wonderboy did kickboxing, so there goes that. That's actually news to me. Uh, no, I'm going to assume no. I mean, come on. People outside of the UFC and maybe Bellator, maybe one fighting championship. How much money do they really make in the other combat sports? To, Mark is about to tell me. Well, to, to be fair, I'm not going to tell you that, but I'm going to tell you, kickboxing, maybe not the right thing. It was pajama karate. <laughs> so it was the dudes that were the, the silky pants, and they had like, probably, do you remember what that series was called? There was like some Chuck Norris karate. Yeah. Um, Best, I don't the best looking kickboxing yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, it wasn't like K one shit, but it. I mean, look, it was basically kickboxing. But they, you know what? They how had a weird how... ring octagon, no rope thing going on. It was interesting. I'm wondering just how little property costs in South Carolina. Is really where I'm at. Um. Anyway, Marcus, why don't you lead us off? We don't know. Who do you? What do you think? Who's winning this? Yeah, one? this was. I, I'm really disappointed in the line because I was really leaning on them to help me with this one. Um, but I'm gonna <laughs> go with uh with Neil. Um, I think it's fair to, to question Thompson to some degree. I mean, I don't think it's a great look that he got knocked out by Pettis, who was moving up in weight. Um, and Justice looked great. I mean, especially when you look at his record, look at, you know, outside of the UFC, not a lot of guys you know, except for one. We know Kevin Holland, who he lost to, unfortunately, but we know that guy's kind of a world beater now. So, um, yeah, I'm going with uh, with Neil on this one, but there's no real strong conviction. I don't recall a lot of his his performances, but I'm... It's almost like I'm kind of hedging a little bit against Wonder Boy, but it's not strong convictions here. I'm just, I was really hoping the line was going to be like, yeah, Jeff Neal's, you know, minus 120 and Wonder Boy's plus 110. I was like, ah, good enough for me. I'm going with the line. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with Neal on this one. I'm going to go with Neal too. Um, I'm kind of banking on, you know, we're getting some, we're riding the new blood train, really, is what I'm at here. Um, I'm, one thing I'm worried about is if he gets frustrated with, the fact that Wonderboy is definitely a more technical striker than him. Jeff Neal is a good striker, but Wonderboy is probably a more technical striker than everybody, honestly. Um, we don't want Jeff Neal to do something stupid. 
you know, wait in and get caught with some shit. Sticking to whatever strategies develop, adjusting it accordingly. That's what you worry about. Um, I know he's over at Fortis MMA. This would be a big win for that camp. It's actually a camp that is funded partially by uh, Darren Williams, formerly of the NBA. Uh, Darren Williams doesn't fight. He doesn't play anymore, right? Right. Still getting yeah. paid by the Nets, though. Shout out to the Nets. Still paying people, not pl- who aren't playing. Um, big win for them if he can get it done. I think Jeff Neal, this is his time. Um, hands of steel. You know, let's just not get too committed to that um, in case if, you know, the stand-up isn't going that well tonight, that night. Steph, what do you think? I'm also on Neil, right? Because um, his last loss was a few years ago to the previously mentioned Kevin Holland, who is out here gangland murdering, like executing fucking Jacques <laughs> Ray in the ring, like leaving him dead on his knees, you know? Like, uh, that guy looks like the next big thing, right? So... Um, he's been undefeated in the UFC, has a lot of power. But that's the caveat that you mentioned. The caveat is Wonderboy does his best against aggressive strikers. He's a counterfighter. He only looks good when he can counterfight. Look at that Darren Till fight. That was another, like we mentioned with Romero, that's a stand and look at your fight, right? He doesn't thrive in guys who don't want to, like, lead the fight, who don't want to throw with haymaking power because he's not really a one-shot guy. What he is is he beats you with a precise straight that he catches you with as you're swinging in wide. So that's the big X factor, and that's why this line is super close, I think. Um, I'm taking Neil, but, like, can I see that happening? Absolutely. Mike, what do you think, man? We're going to go clean sweep for the uh, for the new blood in the top of the welterweight division here? We will not be clean sweeping it. I'm going to go the opposite way for two reasons. One, it's more fun at the end of the year. So just fuck it. Just fake whatever picks. And also, much how Steph said, Steven Thompson is a great counter striker. So, you know, if you're going to go out on a limb, this is the type of fight to go out on a limb for. Right on. Co-main event. Um, a fight that is pretty goddamn great on paper, folks. Um, Jose Aldo, the legend. Um, the former featherweight champion of the world. Man who ruled that division for six, five, six years, I want to say. Taking on... Marlon Chito Vera, a man coming off of a big win over Sugar Sean O'Malley, um, bouncing back from a performance where he probably won, quite frankly, for being honest with ourselves, when he fought Song Yadong, but nobody cared that he won because fucking Chito Vera said a bunch of terrible shit afterwards. Um, overall, though, Chito is on a, he's won six of seven fights. Um, the only loss being that fight to Song Yadong. Um, Wins over O'Malley, as I mentioned, Andre Ewell, uh, Frankie Signs. What happened to Frankie Signs? Um, a couple other gentlemen uh, we're honestly not too familiar with. Um, last time we saw Jose, was that when Peter Jan booped his ass? Yeah, when Peter, uh, Jose got a title shot, he it didn't make any sense, quite frankly. Um, he got Aljamain Sterling's title shot um, off of a loss to Marlon Moraes was real weird, and then Peter Yan knocked him out. Um, kind of rough. Betting odds for this one, Steph. I think the former champ is still the favorite, right? Uh, yeah, still pretty close. Um, Aldo is coming in at minus 145 to Vera's plus 125. Um, Steph, what do you think, man? So I'm realizing that I thought Marlon Vera and uh, Davison Figueroa were the same person. Uh, they're short brown dudes with a shaved bleached head goatees and they both like punching I 100% thought they were the same fighter in my head 
So, you know what it is? It kind of looks like Davison. Thing, which one is? I know which one Figurito is, obviously. But now I'm trying to say, like, did I see Vera fight or not? It kind of looks like you stretch Armstrong like a little bit <laughs> on a big Figurito to look like, like Vera. Five four and the others five three. Like, yeah, yeah. You just got to pull them. Made them a little taller. Just stretch them out a bit. Um, this is a tough one, really. This it, this whole card is, but this one is. Um, I do remember the Yudong fight. Yudong lost. Like yeah, straight up, no good. question. Like he's one of those. I'm like, that's not a good fight. But you just like you said, he just didn't care because he kind of said some racist stuff. But I've been calling Aldo's demise for a while. I'm picking Aldo. I'll just get that out of the way. Um, so you know, I, I felt kind of validated in the uh, Yan fight. But if Vera is struggling with Yadong, it's gonna surprise me if he takes it to Aldo. So, um, yeah. Marcus, uh, we got Vera, the pride of uh, Team Oyama. Colin Oyama still there, man. Still training fighters at the highest level here. Jose Aldo, man, is is that an, is you know does he still have it? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, or it, enough of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is really tough. I think this is a tough fight to call. Um, and it is mostly like, honestly, for me, it's just like I kind of don't want to pick Aldo, but every time I do is when he, he comes out and, and wins that fight. And it's always when I give him the benefit of the doubt that he ends up, you know, losing uh, the fight. I have a hard time picking his uh, his wins. Um, I, I am going to go with Aldo. This was kind of another one where I was just like, I might just go with the line here. It's really close. Um, mostly, I, I think you guys make a good point about the Song Yudong fight. Um, and I think when you look at the Sean O'Malley fight, I mean, Sean kind of fucked up his ankle. And I think that highly contributed to him being able to, to win that. I mean, not necessarily that he would have lost to uh, O'Malley if he didn't get injured, but I think that kind of paints that victory, you know, with some asterisks for me. So I'm going to go with Aldo. I don't feel super confident. I mean, you do look at, you know, he is coming off three losses, but you do look at the guys that he lost. And even when you look at the Marlin fight, you know, which a lot of people think he won, um, you know, these are top guys. You know, you have the 145 champ and now the 135 champ. He's looked good at 35 so um, I'm going to go with Jose, but and I don't have like very strong confidence in that. I do think Vera could win this one, but yeah, what are you going to do? You just so reminded me. I just got to chime in real quick. I forgot about the O'Malley fight. Vera was a poor winner. Like he talked a lot of yeah. shit on O'Malley and his broken foot too. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't like this guy. Like, well, in guy, fairness, O'Malley talks a lot of shit too. Yeah, there was a lot of heat before. He, he got under his skin, but like that just makes taking the high road so much easier like the kid had an embarrassing performance and like yeah i don't know yeah vera isn't just not i i don't find him super likable mike what do you think man i wouldn't even call it embarrassing the dude suffered an injury in the ring i mean it's it contributed to how he lost so yeah i would agree he was kind of a dick after after the fight kind um, of a dick is a fair description of marla vera overall <laughs> just kind of a dick I mean, like, I mean the thing he said about Song Yudong, honestly, you don't want to call, I mean, you don't want to excuse anything anybody ever says, but like, you almost want to be like, did this guy not know because he's not from here? You're not supposed to say dumb shit like this. Not that it's an excuse ever. I obviously. What? The dumb shit he said? He called him a Chinaman, right? That's what yeah, he said, he wasn't it? He called him a Chinaman. I don't think yeah. he's been coached since like 1920. No, it isn't. What am I saying? I don't know what country he's from. None of it's good. <laughs> he's in Panama, right? Isn't he Panamanian or some shit? Or is he Colombian? It's uh, not okay somebody to call somebody Ecuador. there. Yeah, I'll check this out while you guys are confirming. I mean, it, was, yeah. it was weird when Ludacris said the word Chinaman in uh, in Crash. I mean, I mean, he lives in Irvine. He should know better. Let's go with that, all right? He's Ecuadorian. He should know better. He lives in fucking Irvine, all right? 
if you're not from California, Irvine is like the university there is 54% Asian. It's one of the highest Asian populated suburbs in California. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Mike, go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm going with Aldo as well. Um, Jesus Christ, we're gonna clean sweep with Aldo. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not. I'm still not convinced on Chito Vera. I mean, song losing to Song Yudong and beating beating Sugar Sugar O'Malley isn't exactly killing it for me. Although Aldo has lost three in a row, but it's it's that thing we do where someone is obviously aging, but and they're on a losing streak. But then you look at who they lost to, and you're not sure. Is it that there's diminishing ability here? Or is it, well, they were fighting the best of the division. When they fight someone who's a step below, they'll be able to win. I guess we'll find out on Saturday. Look, you all made a mistake by picking Aldo because the the big the worst tell is I'm picking Aldo. I picked Aldo to lose like his last like 12 fights, and now I'm picking him to win all of a sudden. I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. So I got Aldo too. <laughs> but let me say this. I feel... Um, Aldo, whatever he loses, is is like, it's not to guys like Marlon Vera, man. He's not there yet, and Marlon's a good fighter. It's not that he's a bad fighter, but all right, you know what, Mike, you said it. Let's make this fun. I got Cheeto Vera. He's gonna beat Aldo, and then he's gonna talk about how Aldo was never a great champion. Get out of my division. What are you doing? He's, You're watching. He's up. gonna say he's some racist shit about. He's gonna be a little bit of a dick to Aldo after he wins. That's what he's I gonna thought. be like. I'm gonna send Aldo back to the favelas. He's gonna say some real questionable shit like that, right? <laughs> He's yeah, gonna um, take, uh, he's gonna take one step where you're like, "Well, why'd you say that? You, you could have stopped. You could have stopped." I, I was gonna say some bullshit like Aldo's gonna knock him out, honestly, just because I was like, "Let me put it out there." Then I looked at Marlon's got six losses; they're all by decision. I'm like, "Oh, I know how Aldo wins a decision too." Maybe, <laughs> That's maybe what Aldo turns back the clock and he just leg kicks the you shit. You know, honestly, Aldo looked pretty fucking good against Marlon Moraes. I know he lost the fight before anybody says anything. He yeah. looked pretty fucking good. He looked pretty yeah. fucking good beating up Hanato Moicano. Three like, the, the reason why he got a title shot off of a loss, man. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Three-round Aldo's different, too. It, it serves him better to not be the main event. That's one of the things that's harder for him as he gets older, as he does a more extraneous weight cut. So him fighting in three rounds is always a benefit to him. Run this, um, Aldo's run this town. A contender for top walkout song we're 100 percent doing that bracket because it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah it was all that that's that was up there and then when he changed it and he started looking horrible and old i'm like that's why i mean you it's gonna be real hero, tough for you I think I, akiyama and his bocelli that I mean, is we got also some, up there vanderlei silva sandstorm that's up there there's a lot of these that are up there man we'll have a good time with that bracket I, again there's no card for a month that's gonna come up guys um michelle Pereira. The cartwheeling moron taking on Chaos Williams. So that was harsh, but he is fucking stupid. The cartwheels. Um, oh. Stefan, <laughs> Stefan, um, what's the betting line here? Uh, sorry, I, let me pull back. Uh, it's Chaos Williams underdog plus one ten. Really? Michelle Pereira minus one thirty. Here's the thing, Bobby. I have documented Michelle Pereira's career up to this point because. Yeah, I think I was the only, like, me and Mark might have been the only ones watching live on that one where he opened a prelim and just did a lot of flippy shit. Um, in his last fight, he stopped. He fought a real concerted fight, um, and he just looked like what you thought he was without all the freak show antics was he's unusually gigantic for the weight class. Like, and he doesn't seem to have a problem cutting. He carries a lot of power, um, but he's still wild. Um, Chaos Williams, that's the hype, baby. 
yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm on the Chaos Hill Williams train right now. I'm picking Chaos Williams. He's I'm, I'm claiming he's one of my guys. I've decided. Chaos Williams. His name isn't even Chaos. Chaos is a nickname, and then he has another nickname, the Ox Fighter. All right. Wait a second. You got so his name isn't even Chaos, and he still spelled it incorrectly. Well, his name is Kalen with a K. I think that's why he went with Chaos with okay. a K. All right. Six seven. Uh, Chaos Williams fighting out of Lansing, Michigan. Um, eleven and one. Two, his last his last two wins. He got two knockouts in a combined fifty seven seconds. I again him knocking out Abdul Razak Al Hassan. I really thought Al Hassan is. I mean, he still might be. I thought he was someone really to watch in his weight class, and he got iced in thirty seconds. Um, Chaos Williams has got some mean, mean power. Pereira's big dude. Stefan's right, and yeah, you know, maybe he. Stefan mentioned to me, he, you know, after that last one, he didn't fight like an idiot. That being said, I'm on. I'm on the hype train this week, man. I'm, I mean, I. I mean, I know I just picked Jose Aldo, but I'm. I'm on the young guy hype train. I got Chaos Williams here, and I hope it's by knockout because I'm. I'm all about this right now. You know, I think he can get it done. Mark, who do you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm following suit. Uh, mostly it, it has been Pierre. I mean, look, I, I like it when he, he goes out there and does crazy shit, but he, he also exposes himself when he does that. He burns a shit ton of energy and he gets tired and he makes mistakes. Um, his last fight was course correction. He, you know, kept it more subdued, um, but he's still likely to, to throw some kind of crazy shit. So I'm going to pick the guy that seems a little bit more consistent, seems a little bit more straight and narrow. Um, I don't even honestly remember seeing Chaos Williams, but just the record just impresses me enough to be like, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in Pure, even though he's done, he's done better. You know, I, I like seeing that improvement. I like him realizing, like, okay, I'm not fighting on Road FC against like a bunch of like not as talented or not as athletic South Korean guys, and I can kind of do a backflip and still win a fight. Like he has to kind of, you know, get it together. Um, and I think he did, he did some of that in his last fight. I'm still going to go with chaos though. I feel, and I feel like the line's a little weird. This feels like if I was in Vegas, baby, I'm definitely putting this on my oh, yeah. parlay. Th- Cause this, this, was a- like this is very winnable for Williams, but yeah. Yeah. Um, staff, who do you got? I mean, these are also all kind of 100 level coin tosses. Yeah. So it, this, this would be that one where you think this is the one, but you get one or two of them wrong in there on the parlay. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going with the hype. Right. Um, this is going to be a card for the uh, black Americans in my eyes. Like all them dudes are taking it in their fights in this card. Mike. Mike really going to pick against the brothers? No. <laughs> Again? Uh, I'm going to be picking <laughs> Chaos Williams this time. Although it would be a shame if Pereira did get rid of all of his, uh, you know, channeling of Rock Lee and, you know, throwing out Leaf Hurricanes. So. I would like to see him do some dumb flippy shit, all right? There'll be some wheelchairs in there. We have way too many disciplined fighters who don't try any crazy shit. Look, man, you need a few idiots in every sport you're in, all right? It's the little spice of life that we all need, okay? We can't always have bland Greek yogurt. It's going to go one of two ways. He doesn't have a crowd right now. So mm-hmm. he's either going to not feel the need to entertain the crowd or he's going to course over course correct. And he's really going to go for it. He's like, I got to put on a show. How it's, weird is I, that going to be without a crowd? <laughs> How weird is his shit going to be without a crowd? He you had hear his heart and just say, what the fuck shit. are you doing? Um, Jesus. All right. Um, we're not picking uh, the Greg Hardy fight against Marcin Tybora. No, he's fighting a real person. So we'll see what happens there. Mike, Rob Fawn. 20 plus 100 in that fight. More coin tosses. 
Yeah, uh, Rob Font taking on uh, Marlon Moraes. Rob Font's coming off of two straight wins. Um, Sergio Pettis and Ricky Simon. Rob Font likes to fight in December because he fought last in December 2019, and the fight before that was in December of 2018. Um, he's taken on Marlon Moraes, who um, lost to Corey Sandhagen back in October. Spinning wheel kick and punches put him away. A hell of a performance for Corey Sandhagen, really. Uh, Marlon Moraes is still at a level where if you beat Mar Marlon Moraes, it really means something. Not just on name, just also on ability. You lose it, Betting you get a tight. Yeah, shit, that too. Betting odds, Steph. Uh, Moraes coming in at one of the bigger favorites on the card at minus 145 to Rob Fonts plus 125. So I think this odd betting odds here is I think people think they have figured out Marlon on some level here in that he throws a lot of heat early. He kind of fades towards the end of the first round. Then he gets his energy back, throws more heat, a lot of the second round. You can hit Marlon, though. It's become clear. Henry Cejudo kind of timed him. Corey Sandhagen tied him. Jose Aldogo timed him. I don't think Rob Font's, Rob Font's good enough to win this fight. Unless in the last year, Rob Font has greatly improved his game. Not that he was ever a bad fighter. He's 17-4 and four overall. I know we saw him fight live, actually. I remember his first UFC fight. We were in the building when he knocked out George Roop with a really nice, uh, I want to say right hand, if I'm not mistaken, um, back in 2014. Big power hand, overhand, right. I won a lot of money on that fight. Yeah. Um, it's, he's had trouble staying healthy. Got into UFC in 2014. You know, eight fights in like nine years. I'm sorry, eight fights in like seven years, eight years. It's not a lot of fights. I don't think he's good enough to get it done here. Um, he's a good fighter, but I think Marlon gets it done. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, again, in the same boat. Um, I think it is a really close fight. Uh, and really what gives Marlon the edge for me is just like the level of competition, the guys he's been able to beat. Absolutely. Um, and Rob Fon ha has, they have some similar opponents and he hasn't really rise to the occasion. If he wins this fight, you know, that kind of uh, flips the script on, you know, his kind of trajectory. But right now it's, you know, seeing where both these guys are, I'm I'm leaning towards Marlon. But again, and, you know, like this whole card, very close fight, hard, hard one to call. Mike. Coin flip fight. I'm leaning towards going with Rob Font. No real reason why. Yeah. So you got Rob Font? Yep. All right, Steph, what do you got? Uh, easy Rob Font. I like Rob Font. Rob's one of my dudes. Mar Marlon's really good. Uh, I really believed in him to be like a championship potential, but um, for one of the aforementioned reasons, I've won money on Rob Font like three times. Uh, this guy, he's one of my dudes. Uh, I think he's very underrated. Uh, he's not a household name, but a commonality in his losses are guys who are really much better grapplers than him, and Marais can take it there. That's not his move, though. Marais likes to stand. Um, and when you stand with Rob, Rob's got really good boxing. He's really tough. Like, you don't really take decisions from him like, unless you go all the way back to John Lineker. Um, he's he's tough. And he's the guy who's still there at the end of the fight. He'll still Absolutely. keep surging. He'll keep pushing. Whereas Marlon, he trends the other way, right? He's, he's, an, he's a front runner. If he doesn't take a commanding lead, if not finish you early, that's he kind of starts fading. He kind of starts slowing down. Um, but Font, he, he, he's there the whole fight kind of much like, you know, Moreno, who we talked about. That's what I like about Font. Um, this is a fight that can make him a household name because he's been one of those kind of long tenured bets that I've liked for a while. So, um, I'm hoping he pulls this one off. 
I'm realizing how long this podcast is already, but this is what happens when UFC puts on compelling shit, man. When the card the weekend before is good and the card leading up actually looks good. We're just too. getting it out of our system, guys. We got a month off, you know, so it's getting it out so of the system. So we got a split here, huh? Uh, 2-2. Um, last fight we're picking, um, Anthony Pettis, Alex Morano. Um, I'm a little surprised I've, uh, picked, I've decided we're going to pick this fight, but fuck it. I'm, uh, I'm committed. We're doing this. Um, last time we saw Pretty Tony, um, him and Donald Cerrone had a, a pretty decent fight back in May, if I remember correctly. Um, came out of there thinking, man, maybe Cerrone's more done than Pettis. Um, Pettis has kind of been at this level these last, uh, couple, uh, I want to say the last couple years where he's clearly not what he used to be at all. But it's not the disaster that it was. Remember, Steph, when watching Anthony Pettis fight, you're like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck's going on here? At least now you're like, okay, Anthony Pettis is still something. He's going to fight a little, you know, he's there. Um, Alex Morano, the great white. Um, last time we saw him against Rice McKee, straight up, there's nobody on his record anywhere near the class of Anthony Pettis. Um, or at least the way Anthony Pettis was. Biggest win of his career up in this point. Probably back in February of 2018, he got a guillotine win over Josh Berkman. Oh man, Josh Berkman used to be fun. Um, betting odds for this one, Steph. It is, uh, sorry, now that we are picking this, Anthony Pettis becomes the biggest favorite of our picks at minus 235 to Alex Morano's plus 195. Alex Morano, also a member of that Fortis MMA team. So if you're picking Alex Morano and Jeff Neal, you're thinking a big night for that team. I, uh, I'm going with Pretty Tony, man. I think Pretty Tony going to start a nice, uh, the night off with a nice solid win. You know, get the main card kicked off. I think this is going to be a fun fight. Um, both of these gentlemen, um, you know, they're pretty well rounded, quite frankly. A lot of finishes between them. We all know Anthony Pettis' uh, finishing ability. We got six submission wins and five knockout wins of 18, of, uh, Murano's 18 wins. You know, bit of finishes right there. Not bad right there. I just, you know, I'm going to go with Anthony Pettis until Morano gives us with a performance memorable enough to f- fuck, man, for me to think about next time he fights. Mark? <laughs> yeah, Bob, we're really on the same page tonight because um, I'm picking the same guy and, and more or less the same reasoning. Um, just don't have a lot of, like, great looks at Alex to think, like, okay, he's going to present X, Y, and Z problems for Pettis. And, but I, I don't feel confident in picking Pettis. He, he's shown to be really spotty. Um and this fights at welterweight, which he's had flashes of brilliance. You know, there's been, you know, that win against uh, Wonder Boy was huge. You know, he's had some really big wins um, at this higher weight class. So maybe the weight, cl- you know, not having to cut as much weight has been helping him. Um, so, yeah, I- I'm picking Pettis, but I just don't feel super confident. It's very much the kind of like, eh, I just don't feel as confident in the other guy because, you know, the, the resume is not as good. But yeah, I'm going Pettis. Yeah, this would also be a second straight win for Pettis. The man has not won two straight fights since he was, since he won the title and defended against Gilbert Melendez. It's the last time he won two straight fights. Well, that's not reassuring. I, not at all. Not at all, my friend. Um, Mike, what do you think? <laughs> Holy Mike, did I just... shit, you're right. Yeah. The he only also thing... is not that act. I don't think I mean three fights in a year. Anthony Pettis also hasn't done that in since 2016, having three fights in a calendar year. Jesus, so. that's that is something. Wow, it was so long ago he won the title. Man, I'm really long ago. I'm really the yeah. fly. It, was it does not feel that long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, that makes me sad. Um, I'm gonna go with Anthony Pettis on this one. 
um, nostalgia and the creeping sadness, you know, lurking into my brain aside from thinking about that he won the title seven years ago. Um, I'm not ready to say he's done. And he did look okay when fighting Donald Cerrone. And Donald Cerrone's not fully done. So I'm not filling myself with a lot of confidence here. Well, I like we're at fully done in this conversation. Who's fully done? <laughs> Stefan, you want to pour some cold water and just pick the younger guy? <laughs> so as someone who's like, I haven't really cared about the quality of my picks all year, if you haven't figured it out, I make uh, flights of fancy in my reasonings at will. I was 1 million percent ready as soon as you said this fight was, I'm going to take Morono because <laughs> no one has been harder on our podcast than Pettis. But it's because I'm a jilted lover. I thought he was going to be generational, and he turned to be one of the most inconsistent fighters I've ever seen. Like, when he looks good, how good he can look, and then just how bad he can look as well. I mean, to and your credit, Steph, has there ever been another UFC fighter to have a Wheaties box? I mean, that doesn't mean I mean, anything yeah, anymore. the dude was, I thought, like I said, I thought he was going to be foundationally, fundamentally generational to the sport, and boy, was that one of the worst calls I ever made. So that's why I've been so harsh on him ever since. But here is why I am changing my mind. Because, like I said, flights of fancy, super superficial reasons. I didn't know who Alex Morona was. I looked him up. He is the generic default white guy fighter when you create a fighter. He is a plain white guy, no hair, no tattoos. His nickname's The Great White, and all you are is a white guy? I don't know how to make that association in my head. Uh... I'm not saying anything about who he is as a person. I'm just saying the package that I see is one very unattractive one. Do you remember? But I don't even know who it was, Bobby. There was one time where I picked an underdog, and then as soon as I saw him at weigh-ins, I regretted everything. I was like, you remember this man, Bobby? I'm like, this guy's not a fighter. Yeah, I'm trying to go was. He was like, no, like, fuck this. This is just like the most regular flabby man up on the scale, and I picked him. Like He doesn't even look like That's how I feel about Morono. Um, I can't in good conscience for incredibly shallow reasons pick this man, so... I am going to pick my nemesis. Let's be disappointed one more time. It is 2020 after all. Sweep for Anthony Pettis. That was quite the roller coaster because I thought halfway through there you were picking Morono, and I quickly had to I quickly had to type in that you were picking Morono, and now I have to go back and put that you're picking Pettis. It's a hero's journey, Mike. We gotta come full circle. All right. That's uh, that's it for this card. Um, though on the undercard, that's a wrap on too. MMA in the year 2020. Yeah, on the undercard though, uh, if you like, if Duran wins on the undercard, um, Rick Glenn, former Bellator contender, is on the undercard. Bilal Muhammad and Diego Lima are on the undercard. Sajara Eubanks on the undercard. Um, I'm not sure what these announced bouts on Wikipedia mean if they're happening or not. So don't want to bob in real subjects. quick. Uh, correction, because I had the same mistake. Uh, Rick Glenn actually wasn't. It's like a different Rick Glenn. He was in World Series of Fighting. Yeah, I thought it was Judo Rick Glenn. I was like, oh, is this Judo Rick Glenn, the guy I remember from uh, Bellator? And I looked him up, and I was like, nope, nope, that's that's not him. Huh, weird. All righty. Fair enough. Um, all right. Uh, let's do stuff we like, and uh, we'll go from here. Um, Goddamn, this is a long podcast. Um, I'll go um, real quick. Um didn't have a lot this week. I tried to watch Triple Mania, which is um, AAA, a Mexican promotion's biggest show of the year. Man, their announcers just shout. 
Honestly, like that was a problem. They're just shouting the whole time. I was mostly there to watch Kenny Omega um, defend his uh, his AAA Mega Championship against Laredo Kid. It was cool to see a man hit a one wing angel off a top rope. I mean, well, not top, middle rope, but still, that looked really cool. Really, what I want to talk about is that AAA has a partnership with Marvel, so they had a match uh, called Marvel Lucha Libre, where dudes dressed up like Marvel characters and wrestled. And we had Terror Purpura, a.k.a. Thanos, teaming up with Venenoide, a.k.a. Venom, to take on Arachno, a.k.a. Spider-Man, and Leyenda Americana, Captain America. Um, some of the people who were playing these roles, um, Brian Cage played Thanos, if you're familiar with Brian Cage, his size, that kind of makes sense. Um, we had um, Venom was played by Black Taurus, a AAA fighter I'm not terribly familiar with. Um, Captain America was played by Daga. If you're an Impact Wrestling fan, you might have heard of this guy. Though the one I enjoyed was Leo Rush playing Spider-Man. Because it wasn't like he was dressed as Spider-Man. He was dressed like Spider-Man from the Tobey Maguire movie when he wrestled Macho Man Randy Savage in the wrestling promotion. Like he had like a hoodie on, basically, is what it looked like. And Leo Rush is tiny and flies around the ring. I mean, Steph, I think you've seen Leo Rush wrestle before also. It kind of worked. He seemed more committed to the character. Brian Cage, I think, is just unhappy they didn't play Wolverine with his big fucking, like, Wolverine haircut and fucking uh, sideburns That's and stuff. The thing about Brian Cage is he's jacked like a motherfucker, but he's like five eight. Like he, yeah, he's like I've been preparing for this Wolverine role my whole life. Let me do it. <laughs> um, that was fun. Um, they got a six sided ring there, which sure, whatever. Uh, the announcer was speaking in Spanish, but then all of a sudden would just say a line in English, and my Spanish isn't great. Like I understood. More or less, what's going on there? But then it'd be like, "Oh, going in Spanish," Spanish and he'd say, "Great night of action!" And I'm like, "Is there an, what happened? Is there an English now?" And then, nope, back to Spanish. Um, he got hit in the head with a fucking guitar, and then he bladed, so he was leaking all over the place. That was kind of gross. Um, but yeah, it was okay. That was that was all I got this week, really. Mostly because I'm waiting. I, I want the guys to Google this match because it was just strange. I don't know why Marvel signed up for this. I feel Marvel United States is not aware of what Marvel Mexico is doing, honestly. Um, Mike, what do you got this week? Yeah, I was going to say, how did they, uh, I mean, Disney just in general is very litigious when it comes to their copyrights. No, how- there, was, there was there was a actual announcement that they were going to do this. I remember months ago, and I remember thinking, why are they doing this? Like, how popular is fucking AAA in Mexico that they're doing this? And then, like, there's no, you know, they aired this on YouTube for free. And there's no crowd, obviously, because of COVID. So I'm like, I had no gauge of how much this should matter. Well, look, we like, can't <laughs> we can't judge, Bobby, what different people find entertainment in different countries. This might be the height of, you know, entertainment in Mexico. You know, having wrestlers dress up as Marvel characters and, you know, hit finishers off top ropes and shit. So, you know, let's not be very judgy here, Bob. Fair enough. But yeah, Brian Cage was real. I mean, I, I, he did not care to be Thanos. That was the part I mostly took away from. <laughs> he was just doing his moves. If, uh, what do you got this week, though? If there was someone who took a super soldier serum, it would probably be Brian Cage. He's like, man, I can't be Wolverine. I can't be Hulk. Like, fuck this. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, um, Captain America is a juicer. So my stuff I like this week 
is HBO Max's The Undoing. You guys have probably heard, you know, your plus mid-30s um, female friends talk about this show ad nauseum over the last uh, few weeks. It's a show starring, uh, who's, the, who's that uh, lovable Brit from uh, Notting Hill? Uh, Hugh Grant. It's starring uh, Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman in, I guess, a pseudo whodunit where this lady gets murdered and you wonder throughout the, the six episodes, did Hugh Grant do it? I won't spoil whether he did it or not, but it was very captivating. I started watching it, I think, on Friday or Saturday, and I was able to run through it midway through Sunday. So, Mike, if you, you have an about- HBO Max prescription, a prescription subscription, I would recommend watching The Undoing. Mike, you said about uh, your uh, lady friends, uh, bus- I know nothing about this show except for one single day. All the Instagram stories were, what the fuck was that ending? What the hell is that ending? It seems like the ending was controversial, and that's all I know about the show. And I it basically know. had a little bit of controversy. I don't know if it was that controversial. It was, it was a whatever ending. You know, maybe it takes, maybe it takes uh, bigger stuff to shake your boy, but I didn't find it that uh, crazy. Steph, do you want to take a shot at the makers of Uno real quick? I mean, Steph, Mike, do you want to take a shot at the makers of Uno real quick before we move on to Steph? I don't know if I'll be taking the shot at the makers of Uno, but at the very least, the game developers on Steam for their version of Uno, fuck you guys. I tried to actually give you guys 16 bucks on Friday, and me and our friend Phil, we weren't able to play your game, but thank you to Steam. I promptly got my money back. Man, Mike was so angry, guys. It was the angriest I've seen Mike in a very long time. <laughs> I was just sitting there like, yeah, I was just, I guess it wasn't working for like 45 minutes. Anyway, Steph, what do you got this week? Uh, I got some bad and some good. I'll start with the negative and go to the positive because I think it'll lead into Mark pretty decently. Um, so I'm also encroaching on Mark's territory, but, you know, Mark usually is the one to bring you a lot of the video game news. But in this rare instance, I was the one that pushed the green light. Mark is kind of on a standby yellow, um, and appropriately so. So I picked up the big hype of uh, to end the year in games, and that's Cyberpunk 2077. And something I severely don't really like is the state of the game at launch. Um, CD Projekt Red, the studio that makes them, I have super faith in them. They are a incredibly like fan and user-friendly company in an age of microtransactions and loot boxes. So I'm not holding it against them. This game was delayed several months. Turns out it wasn't delayed long enough. Um, this launch is rough. Uh, when you create your character, it looks like a PS3 era game. Like I told Mark, I can only play for two hours because in a absolute first on a console game, I got motion sickness. Um, the screen, the vision, I was getting a really nauseated headache. Um, Eddie read about it. I was reading other people were getting Eddie said like, oh, some people are saying the game is barely running at 30 frames per second on the PS4. Um, So somehow these choppy frame rates are also contributing to the awkward visuals that are kind of giving people headaches. Um, Buggy as hell, tons of clipping, graphics and textures. Um, It just doesn't look great, guys. Uh, I understand it starts really slowly. Uh, Another YouTuber... Uh, Mark and I both like uh, Max, uh, Maximilian Dude. 
he was talking about like he actually had a really negative review, but then he actually got to kept playing once the game opened up. He said it becomes a lot more fun. By the end of it, he really enjoyed it. So there's something there. I, that's why I said I, it's not a dislike on the game. I dislike the state of the launch. Um, it's a bit rough right now. On day one, there was a 100 gigabyte patch. I don't know how bad it was before that patch, but how I, I, I got a question. I was having after it, it's not a great sign. Uh, Did oh, the PS uh, CD Projekt Red put out a notice today? They're offering a refund to everyone. That's how bad the state is, guys. They are set, carte blanche. If you got this game and you're unhappy with it, we'll give you a refund. You can wait to buy it when it's all fixed. So my understanding was, based on the refund offer, was that they said that they really didn't do a good job with the PS4, Xbox One generation, right? Sorry, my yeah. other computer. That's true, and it's it's really that's the what it was announced for, right? It was supposed to be one of the. So uh, are the people with say that you didn't prepare for it? It's like it's kind of a weird thing. So are the ones people playing on it on the PS5 not experiencing issues? Are people playing it on high end PCs not experiencing? Oh no, maybe there's many issues. It's all the across the board. It's issues. Consoles getting hit worse than PC. I heard that the thing also there's a weird thing where like no matter where you are, like you'd be on a building. Like I saw this thing where someone was talking about there's this weird thing with like the way cops spawn no matter where you are. So like you're on top of a building and you're shooting down into the street and immediately like six cops just materialize on top of this building within two seconds. And it's people are complaining about I don't have all the things they have. Like that was the, like, the more ridiculous ones people are complaining. I, about. I, like, I can't personally tell you that. Like I said, I got a headache so bad I had to go lay down in bed. Like you get your money back. The only time this has ever happened to me was uh, when a friend of Mark's who was kind of it was like a prototype version of Oculus. It wasn't even the commercial release iteration of it, but playing VR, um, I think it was Half-Life. You know, it wasn't even optimized for VR. It was just like kind of a here's a port over. Let's try it. I got why I got motion sick on that. I had never gotten motion sick staring at my TV screen sitting like seven feet away like um, so there's just a lot of things. There's things to do to mitigate that. Mark recommended turning off motion blur. People are talking about changing the field of view settings. But the fact that I can type that in on Google and find out people are having this experience too, um, that's just a weird thing because it's never really happened before. So it's definitely rough at the launch. I don't know that I'm going to bother to return it because I want this game eventually. I have faith that they're going to patch it. Buying the PS4 ultimately unlocks it for you on the PS5, so it's not like I have to rebuy it again anyways for that system. So I got the license for it, whatever. Um, I'll probably see it through, but am I eager to jump back in? Probably not. Oh, yeah, man, positive. It's, positive, it's, yeah. My bad. Um, I'll, I'll send it pass over to Mark, but because we mutually kind of got to enjoy this at the same time. Uh, it would have been a perfect segue if you came to me second, Bob. You mentioned the one-wing angel um, off the top rope. Well, this was about the actual one-winged angel um, in the video game wars this past week. It was announced that bad boy Sephiroth is coming to Smash in an amazing fucking trailer. That trailer was bananas good. Um, especially, like, Mark and I know we both bought the first Smash pack. You know, like, weren't sold on every character to the max, but generally, that was a really great crew. When they came out with the second pack and they announced Minecraft Steve, if there was anything to just dampen my Smash Brothers boner, that was it. I don't care about Minecraft. Minecraft means absolutely nothing to me. I understand it, what it is to the generation below us. It is nothing to me. So for them to come back with Sephiroth, it's straight out of Dumb and Dumber. It's like, you know, just when I think you can't get any dumber, you go and do this and totally redeem yourselves. I'm hyped. How much, are, how much are the packs? 
Uh, I'll pass that to you, Mark. I don't really know the details of it. Uh, I think they're around 20. I think each character is like five bucks. You get a character in a stage, and I think there's usually five. So if you get the pack, you save like five bucks. It might even be less than that. I'm not totally so sure. This is in lieu of making another Smash game. They're like, we're just going to keep adding characters. And Bobby, at this point, it's it, it's like a Herculean task. This, this Smash, this last Smash Brothers games has every character. So they built themselves as a president, presidents of like, if you make another one, like, how are you going to be better than this one that literally has over like, we're getting close to like 100 characters. It's kind of like, at this point, it, it's going to be extremely difficult to make a sequel that's going to be better than what we have here. Um, if, that, if that's all for Steph, um, I'll, I'll follow suit. You know, the, the Game Awards were last week. I, I failed to mention them. I thought the award show itself was really fun. Um, and the Sephiroth announcement was probably one of the, the best ones of the night. Uh, but I thought overall that the show went really well, especially given uh, our COVID era. Um in addition to that, uh, the games I've been playing, because I in, I mentioned it last week, I was very hesitant about Cyberpunk, and what I will say about that is for a company that has kind of presented themselves as being very transparent and being very for the player, and we don't want to nickel and dime you with DLC for The Witcher 3, um, they kind of did everyone dirty on this one, and that's and part of the reason last week why I said I was very hesitant was reviews had just came out, but they were very restrictive. They were only PC builds, and they didn't allow the reviewers to use their own footage, so they would have to say, like, oh, there's lots of bugs and glitches in this game. I can't show you them, but they're there. You have to take me for my word. Um, so I think it's really telling today IGN put out their PS4, Xbox One review and gave it a four. Because um, there's just all kinds of problems with it. And CG Project Red coming out after the fact and saying, like, oh, we're sorry. This wasn't optimized enough. We should have put more time. They knew. They knew. And that's why they, they kind of did everyone dirty. And they kind of blocked people from getting a good look. Um, of what this game's going to perform like for the vast majority of players because look at there, there are a lot of people that are hardcore pc players that have the the newest and best graphics card that are going to be able to run this game fairly well with good frame rate 4k visuals and all that but the vast majority of people that are probably playing this game are going to be on last gen consoles because the ps4 is the best-selling console in like a decade in a really long time a lot of people did not upgrade to the pro so they're not going to have that kind of fidelity. So most of the people playing this, the vast majority of your buyer base is, is experiencing, you know, a haphazard product that I feel a lot of people, if they weren't, if they didn't have their finger on the pulse, can feel kind of bamboozled. Like I saw reviews, this game got nine and then I play it and it's completely shitty. There's popping all the time. The frame rate drops to, you know, 10 frames per second or whatever. Um, and, and usually I'm, I'm not that guy. I, frame rate drops and stuff like that pop in usually don't bug me. Um, but to the point where they're kind of hiding it made me, um, you know, kind of hesitant. I did buy the game. I just haven't played it. And I probably won't play it until I get a PS5 or there's so much patches that they're like, this game's good to go. Now. There's there's a um, thing they said about Watergate. I know this is a weird parallel to make, guys, but roll with it here. Um, where they said uh, the cover up is worse than the crime. Mm. That sounds like what happened here a little bit. Where it's just like, yeah, don't fucking lie to us about how what we're getting into here, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, you it know, is what it is. I, I it, it's it's big of them to offer the refund, but I think it's kind of if you're going to want to continue to be this company that is like forward facing, you know, we're not going to like bamboozle the customer or whatever. You kind of have to at this point because the game is just, you know, getting panned so, so much online. You have to do this. That's not really what I want to talk about this week, though. Um, last week, uh, they announced or they finally presented the first additional character for the avengers game i've been critical of the avengers game but also a big fan of it i've enjoyed my time immensely with what i put in uh so their first dlc character is kate bishop not a well-known marvel hero 
um, to say the least. She's basically the female Hawkeye. I know Kate a lot. I've read Young Avengers, so I was a big fan. I was excited for this, and I've really enjoyed playing as her. And it's distilled a little bit more confidence that this game is going to continue to get new characters because it financially has been very poor for Square Enix. They basically said they've lost a ton of money with the development costs and how much marketing they put behind the game and the game just not selling very well. Um, it's going to be a long road for them to kind of fix that. And this is, at least for me, how they correct it. Um, they, they put uh, they put Kate Bishop in this game because that's what those TV. I mean, part of it is the TV show. There is a couple right? things they hired. What's her name it, to be there? Right, they hired. Um, yeah. So I mean, so one, the rumor was they were going to do Black Panther first, but when Chad Bozeman passed away, they thought that would be in bad taste to after right immediately after he died to be like, oh, we're releasing his character. I, I don't know. They, they could have played it off as being kind of honorary to him or whatever, but they decided to do Kate Bishop first, and I think Bobby, yeah. Before all the COVID stuff, we might have been we might have been getting close to the Hawkeye show, so it might have been some parallels there. Whatever the case may be, we have Kate Bishop. I well, no, there's Marcus. They had uh, there were some uh, pictures from the set I saw like a week ago. Yeah, like, did you yeah, see these two? Uh, it, it, uh, Eddie actually showed me those two. What is it the name of the actress? Um, Haley yeah, I'm not sure. There we go, Haley Seinfeld. I know she's like she's. I mean, she's not counting. I mean, she's more famous. I mean, she I was guess outside of Marvel movies than True Grit. And uh, more importantly to me, she was in Pitch Perfect 2. Yeah, she was in Pitch Perfect. She was in the Transformers movie with uh, the one that people liked, this last one with John Cena. Mm. She's in some stuff. So I, I know they didn't just go get they, – they, they didn't put her in this show to be second banana, I don't think. No, I don't she, know. I, I, I mean, you? already single as well. She's just yeah. famous. Yeah, I mean – yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I mean, it's Marvel. They can do whatever they well, want. I with think anybody, Marvel but, like, is definitely. She, we don't need to talk about the slate of shows they talk. They're they're always wanting to expand their horizons with their characters, and they don't want to just just keep it Iron Man and Cap forever. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed her edition. And if she's kind of a blueprint of what's to come, uh, Clint, the actual you know male Hawkeye that we're most familiar with, is next on the slate. And then people are saying Black Panther, and we at least know that Spider-Man is also coming as an exclusive PS4 character. And the game, there's been a lot of rumors that there's basically like 20 other characters potentially in the pipeline. And I would love a reality where in a couple years, those characters come out on the game because that, I mean, right now with the seven characters they have adding Kate, I think it's really fun. If you add in even more characters, Captain Marvel, uh, I'm forgetting the... The witch's name. Oh, I can't remember her name. Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Vision. Yeah. War Machine. Winter Soldier. I mean, they add all these characters in. I think it's a really robust, fun game. If they put in the work they did with Kate, because I think she's been really fun to play with. Um, I also have to mention, I, you know, lamented uh, Best Buy for not delivering my Marvel's Capcom machine. After lots of phone calls, I did end up getting it on Friday. Um, and I've, you know, this is something that Steph knows, uh, you know, we used to, I used to have an asteroids machine. I did get rid of it a couple years ago. Cause it was just, we didn't have the space for it when, uh, me and my wife, Christine moved into a new place. I kind of told her like, you know, we have an extra room. I kind of want to get one of these arcade one up, you know, three, four scale arcade machines. And this Marvel reverse Capcom one, like really hit a lot of the nodes. Um, there's a couple other games that if they would have done like an alpha series or street fighter three series, I would have been equally as interested in but especially with my newfound fandom with marvel and always being a huge capcom 2d fighting game you know fan this machine has really checked off all those boxes so got the machine up we decorated the room around it which i've been planning for a while so i'm really happy with it um overall the games have been a lot of fun uh and, and it, 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 there's a lot of nostalgia uh the versus series was kind of one of the last flings where 
going to the arcade was still a very special experience because you just didn't get that type of quality game with consoles. They just weren't there, and especially with the Versus series. I think on Saturn, you had to get a four megabyte RAM extension so you can have two characters switching in and out. Um, and I think the PlayStation one, there's like loading when you switch characters, which made it like unplayable. Yeah. So, I mean, having the arcade version has been really fun. I've really been enjoying it um, a lot, maybe even more so than I thought. Because I've gotten a lot of, you know, I got excited for fighting games every now and then. And their longevity don't last that long. I'm mostly just fighting the computer over and over again. But there's definitely a steep learning curve with the game where I want to get good. I want to be getting big air combos all the time, which I'm not there yet. Um, but I want to practice. The last thing I want to talk about, because we've all, I think, watched this show. I think I'm the last one on it. And I just started watching it and binged all of it, which is not really my forte. But I have watched all of Cobra Kai now. And I know you guys have talked about before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I really like the show. I thought it was very endearing. I think it 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 walks a tightrope of endearing and kind of corny. And I think for the most part, I've really enjoyed the show. Having just finished the second season... They kind of use some of the same plot devices of like, yo, these people of your like people, you know, did some shit. And it's like, I didn't know they did that. It, that happens like three or four times. It was like, I didn't know you ruined the dojo. I didn't <laughs> know they ruined the car. And it's just like a miscommunication leads in leads into a fight, which has gotten a little stale. But I think what really helps it is the storylines with the kids is endearing. Like, I like all the kids. And I feel like Miguel, oh, like, oh, no, you, 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 you ruined my, my follow up question, Mark. Okay. Which is, I've asked all the people who watch this, because everyone I know who loves this show, they all have an answer. Which of these teenagers do you hate the most? Oh. Mark likes them all. Come on. That's why I said he likes them all. I'm like, everyone irrationally hates one of these teenage characters. I have one that I irrationally hate. Ooh, and yeah. not, we're not counting the one you're supposed to. By the way, folks, to give you the relationship that all of us have with this show, Mark said Cobra Kai... Okay, Mark. Yeah, Hawk is supposed to say, but to give you guys a relationship we all have with this show, Mark said he watched the binge Cobra Kai, and I looked at both Stefan and Mike's faces, and I had this—they had a big shit-eating grin on their face, and I knew I had the same one because I—I I think uh, Stefan, I, I, somebody might have said the words were like, "This isn't good," but I mean, it's, it's wonderfully binge. Yeah, it's like a it's yeah like a nineteen minute episode. You can just let them run; it'll go quick. Uh, I really don't like uh, the the Ralph Macchio's daughter. And not only that, I think the only person on this show I root for actively is uh, uh, Ralph Macchio's wife. I feel she's the only one oh, she's great. who's an she's adult the in the whole operation. Yeah, she had, um, having just finished the the season. The best line is when they're at the Mexican restaurant and the waitress is like, "Do you guys know each other?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, they have Warren Dojos." <laughs> that was, yeah. it, was, it was so quick. And it was just like, so like I feel she's me. I feel she's me in the show. She's like. The fuck is yeah, this? No, she's why, why are we involved in any of this? And, uh, the, the kid I rationally hate, Robbie. Mm. Oh, Robbie sucks. I don't like any of the kids, honestly. Yeah, I think. But... I think if I had to pick one, I didn't. I may, maybe Robbie, but like I think, I think what they do is they 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 do the kind of Last of Us two thing where they they show you the whole arc of like why this character is this way, which is like what you didn't really get in the movies. Like Johnny was just an asshole. And then I think, and I, I think Patton might have done it. I know some comedian did a bit where it's like, if you just look at Johnny's story, which they do an episode on, it's like, yeah, Ralph Macchio kind of is a dick. Like, like I mean, look, he does like fight him, but he also was hitting on his girlfriend. There's like, there's a rationale to it. And I think they do that with all the characters. Like, I think Stefan mentioned, like, some people didn't like Hawk. Like, I thought he was an interesting character because he, you see his arc of like, okay, Cobra Kai is very tough and mean, but like, 
they changed his personality to to not be self-loathing, right? And not to feel picked on. And, you know, I, I think I think they do a good job of writing all the kids. Um, the last thing I'll just mention, um, something that me and Stefan talk about often in uh, sitcoms and such is like, we like these small characters that don't have like big roles. They just have a couple scenes here and there. And my favorite, and I don't think he's even in season two, and they should have brought him back, was the uh, the African-American guy on the karate, the karate council where like his big thing for attendance was like, we gotta get those blue mats, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he does the speech, he's like, I know you love these blue mats. And like when Cobra Kai comes out, he's like, that's a badass team right there. And it's like, okay, I like this guy. He's really fun. Um, did you see the trailer for season three? I, I did because I think that's kind of where, that's why I think I ended up watching it. I think there's been a lot more advertising for it because season three is coming up in, in January. So obviously I, after- I, I, I know so many people who just, because it hit Netflix, recently yeah, i think it was a youtube thing at first yeah and like i know so many people who binged it because like you just start watching it and you're just like well i mean mark maybe aside from another one we're just like well that's fucking stupid but then all of a sudden like i think stefan and i were talking about it while he's watching it and all of a sudden he's like it's been four episodes and i don't know how i got here uh, i was but, like I mean, this season is short i'm like oh we're at a tournament already i thought like i just started the show like oh we're deciding who's the champion now i'm like uh, Mark, all i know Mark, is he had two lessons and he's coming out in a black belt huh i'm like clearly I do think John a time jump that i missed here i still think johnny lawrence's character at least in the first like three four episodes you're like you know this character is like one extra drink away of saying the n-word i feel the whole time <laughs> we're like this guy's about to say something at any point that you're just like you're waiting for also <laughs> also stuff you're talking about oh four episodes in we're already at a tournament this kid knows karate already can <laughs> are we forgetting that the movie was maybe 90 minutes long and Daniel LaRusso is whooping up on black belts who have probably been doing this for a bunch it's of years. Tournament tournament. Um, to chime in on Mark, because you, you to to double whammy the uh the obscure side character that you're never seen from again, but also a great line. My favorite was uh when they're all hanging out at the beach, and it's just it's not one of the main teenagers. It's just like one of the ones who's in the ambient crowd that sometimes mm -hmm. is doing crying he comes up to miguel and he's like man now that you won the north valley championship like regional championship you can get any girl you want in the valley and i'm like oh that's, <laughs> that's what we're fighting for that's the stakes here <laughs> you win the sectional championship any girl will date you in the valley you got it made i'm like that's, that's the universe north of the valley, because south valley sucks ass oh and then I just course, remember uh johnny uh johnny the racist uh, for his cultural appropriation, the other the great line of the show. Yeah, I I remember um, when uh when, when after Mike and I had watched the second season, Mike and I through WhatsApp booked an entire third season story arc for a, a Brazilian kid comes to the school. What is the name you gave him? It was a good one too because we did. It was like it was like not Rob. It was like something you know the HR thing. It was whatever it was. But we're like this kid comes to the school. All these karate kids try to fuck with him. All of a sudden he's doing flying arm bars, and they go to Johnny and Daniel like, "What do I do?" And they're like, "Shit, man, I don't know grappling. <laughs> Mister Miyagi didn't teach us any of this shit." <laughs> that's the yeah. That's the That's what I was looking for. I was waiting for that in the third uh, season trailer. Nothing. <laughs> Instead of Ryan, because you know. Oh yeah. Hi. Yeah. Mike's like, we got a kid. That roll call scene where they call out is Ryan, like Rodriguez. Uh, it's actually, it's Hyan. You just want yeah, to. And then they're like, they're like, sorry, yes, uh, Hyan. And he just goes, Obrigado. And we're like, oh shit. I mean, we're kids from Brazil. <laughs> if you don't mind, uh, we're super deep. Mark, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off if you want to say more, but um, I was just going to pose a question out to everyone. 
Oh, I, I was just going to cap off that. I mean, I think the show, I think when you said like, oh, the show's not good, I think it's good. I really like it. I, well, I mean, like, I watch it. I, I watch every episode. What, what, I, what I really think it is, is like your degree of how much you like it will vary. Like, like I really liked it a lot. I think it's a good show. I could recommend it to somebody and they and I, they can come back and be like, yeah, I don't like this at all. And I'd be like, you know, that's totally fair. I, I can see where you're coming from. But like for me, it hits. So Every person I know, Mark, despite what I say, not only watched it, they went through it and are actively excited for the third. It, that's because they, they the one thing the show does extremely well, which I think is undeniable, is they have great cliffhangers. Every episode ends with like a little scene where it's like, ooh, I wonder how that's going to play out next episode. And oh, yeah, episode, I know. I, it rolls right into it. My I friend mean, put the a pride towards this show. Um, it's almost like one of those people that love an indie band before anyone else. I was on this show you were. way before any of you because for some godforsaken reason, there was a six-month span in my life where I had YouTube read. Yeah, that's the thing is no one had YouTube read. <laughs> like, yeah, I was. I knew about it from YouTube Red, <laughs> and I was like, maybe I would watch it if I had that, but I'm not buying that. And then when it was on Netflix, Dude, I, I was had, like, whatever. I had YouTube read, and I wasn't watching it. No, I just like started watching it one day and I'm just like, it's been two episodes, three episodes. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I'm really into this. Like our friend Melissa sent us in a group chat, me and Mike, the third season, a trailer. I hadn't seen it, but Mike's like, oh, I saw it. And I, I couldn't click fast enough. I was like, I'm watching this shit. Well, I'm like, I was so ready. And I'm just like, yeah, bring it on. Like, let's get, let's get to the third season with these people. I want to see what's going on with these kids. It's soon. So. The one last thing I was going to pose again, it kind of uh, it segues off of uh, Mark's stuff, you know, bingeable shows on streaming services and his love of Marvel. Um, I was going to say Disney just announced like the next seven years of content, um, but we got four tangible trailers. What was the standout one for y'all? Well, okay, I think if I hadn't seen the first trailer or any of the other anything else about it, I think WandaVision looks so fucking weird that I can't believe they made it because I don't know how this is going to go for people because I'm into it. I'm like, this is going to be weird as fuck. New trailer, like, I love that hint of horror. Yeah. Where it's, uh, I believe that's going to be Monica Rambeau is uh, who that person has been like billed as playing. But um, yeah, when they're like, who are you? He's like, who am I? She, it like kind of glitches because so a movie that sucked and you know was that but it was its whole arc was like we're gonna do horror comic books was the new mutants right so just the idea of horror merging with superhero i'm so interested in that so um yeah that's a good choice but what about you guys i i, I mean i love loki though honestly that was it if i have not counting that one Lo i'm just happy to see loki because loki i still think is my is my favorite character i mean definitely my favorite bad guy they've done in any of these movies so far you know and I guess he's in, I don't know, I'm not familiar at all with the time variance, whatever. I'm assuming it's some sort of inside of a universe type shit that justifies him being around still and alive. I'm into it. I don't care. You know, I, that, that, uh, I forgot his name. Hiddleston. Hiddleston fucking owns that role. And him, any more of him playing Loki, I'm so into. For me, at least. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say that. I would have thought before I saw the trailers that uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier would have been one of my top ones, but that trailer really left a lot to be desired. It really didn't do much to excite me. Like the jokes didn't really land super hard. The action didn't look particularly great. So I think of the four that they had, and I guess you're including obviously Loki, WandaVision, and Miss Marvel. I'm interested. Oh, I was actually including Marvel What If. Uh, I thought that. I was going to say, that was a Miss yeah, Marvel trailer? Yeah, I forgot about What If. I actually 
am really interested in what if because i remember i downloaded a bunch of those what if comics so i was like oh this sounds badass but a lot of them are like old and it's like i don't even know what the fuck's going on anyways it's like it's not it wasn't those weird takes that i want that i think the show's hitting on um so i think wandavision looks good and yeah they didn't really have a trailer for miss marvel it was more like a behind the scenes but i'm really interested to see how they portray that character i thought the comics were fantastic and i also think she's going to be an interesting character because her superpowers which i think they actually do a freakishly good job in the avengers game is like she is kind of Mr. Fantastic, but she doesn't just stretch. She gets bigger, and it just looks fucking weird. And it's just like she's this superhero that's kind of a teenager that's very kind of not comfortable in her own skin, in her own right, as most teenagers are. And her superpower is to become, like, freakishly deformed and have, like, these big man hands pushing stuff. It's just like, yeah, you know, you're, you're kind of a freak, but whatever, man. Like, you just you own it. And I think that that could be a really interesting show as well. But I think WandaVision, I think it being so soon, too, is like, I'm really interested to see what they do there. I mean, we're going to talk about the return of Obi-Wan because I know this isn't Marvel, but my man Ewan is back. I, I feel like after this weekend, we're going to have about three weeks without MMA. So let, let's parse this out. That's true. We're uh, because hours, this is already a long so. we are yeah i'll just say oh, the, the one thing i i like but i dislike is um i really like jeffrey wright voicing the watcher in the what if series um i think he has a very kind of distinct voice of gravitas it's short of like morgan freeman would have been perfection right because i think he's like the iconic voice of our lifetimes but uh it- it would have That's been good. so much better if, um, well, I hope, I haven't heard any of his uh, voice as the Watcher, but I'm kind of envisioning that it's like he's portraying People's Hernandez, but he's the Watcher. None of y'all remember Jeffrey Wright was People's Hernandez in Shaft? I do. Thank you. I remember I remember the Shaft movie was utterly disappointing. One of the most famous Dominicans on screen, People's Hernandez. I mean, his name was funny. I go like this. Christian Bale. Wolf, what? Three people die on either side. This movie meant a lot to you, didn't it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This is a fucking long podcast, but that's what happens. We're having a good time. Um, UFC had a banger last week. Looks like this card, honestly, there's a lot of close fights, guys. A lot of close fights. And not just close because people don't know. Also because they look like they're going to be fun matchups. So we'll see. It's the last card of the year for the UFC. Let's, you know, hopefully everybody makes it to the card that we mentioned. Everybody stays healthy. You know, we come back in 2020 with that card headlined by uh, Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. You know, start the year off on a good note. Make 2021 a better year than 2020. It's a real low bar to pass. But let's, you know, see if we can get there. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, we're going to talk about the card that happened. Um See if Jeff Neal's a guy we're going to be seeing in, you know, title fights going forward. Um, we have a couple weeks here. You know, we're going to talk about, we're going to, you know, probably crown Mark next week as our champion, barring some sort of, I mean, definitely we are. I think the math just means we are. Mark as our champion for 2020. Uh, we're going to be a couple weeks before we do our year-end awards. Um, we'll do some fun stuff in the middle here. Um, I think we've all kind of realized this best entrance song walkout might be fun too, quite frankly. We'll do that. Um but uh, check us out next week. Next week, uh, we'll be back with another episode. Thank you all very much for listening. We always really appreciate it when you do. Um, if you want to subscribe, that'd be great. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be great because there's that one there where the guy says we're all really nice, and I don't know how true that is. Um, but if you want to keep lying like that guy did, we appreciate it. 
But anyways, I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was Lavender Gooms. And that was DJ Mark. See y'all next week. Peace out. See ya. Here's-